This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from AllComic.com, episode 26. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Sid, and today we have a very special guest to talk about a very special topic. Yes, uh, we have special guest, unofficial uh, manga translator, Bobber D. Rufi here with us to talk about basically what he knows about Shonen Sunday because that's that's kind of his favorite manga magazine. Am I right, buddy? Yeah. Uh. And how very appropriate we're recording on a Sunday to talk about Shonen Sunday. Right? Even though it doesn't <laughs> even come out on Sunday. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> Yeah, that's that's interesting. But yeah, that's that's that, that that's about right. So, uh, yeah, just, I guess, real quick before we head into the... Well, I guess, actually, real quick before we head into the show, uh, we should probably mention that our uh, our iTunes feed is back up uh, on our previous episode. That was kind of down, unfortunately. But but now, you know, if if you guys are listening to this on uh, allcomic.com through the, uh, the HipCast player, you can, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably leave a link to our, uh, our iTunes feed in the description so that people can uh, subscribe to that again if you had to unsubscribe to that. So yeah, we're on iTunes again, and people can finally listen to us again on there. So that's a good thing. And uh, I don't think there's anything else I want to talk about real quick, so I guess we might as well just head on into the show. You know, before we head into our Shonen Sunday discussion and just let Bomber talk his head off, we we, kind of want to talk about uh, basically our thoughts on these next round of jump starts and uh, some news. So basically, in case you don't know, Shonen Jump is premiering uh, six new series altogether. Last episode, we talked about our thoughts on We Never Learn and U19, but on this episode, we're going to be talking about our thoughts on Demon Prince Poro's Diaries and Hungry Marie, and I think we're just going to start off with Poro. Uh, Sid, if you want to talk about what Poro is about in particular. Yeah, Poro is about this demon prince who really is in love with human culture, specifically Japanese culture. He's a mega otaku. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, he's this kind of wimpy kid. He you know, he's like kind of in a Zatchbell-esque fight in the underworld where, you know, all these demons are challenging him, you know, to try and unseat them because, like, they all want to become the next demon king because his father's retiring in, like, a year. But Poro's, like, super unbelievably strong, so, like, he can, like, beat back all his attackers. But, like, he's kind of sick of it. He doesn't like fighting. He doesn't really really deal with all this bullshit. So, like, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go into the human world because that's better and I can, like, do what I want and not live such a wild life. So he goes and does does that. He transfers into a Japanese school. You know, he kind of sticks out because, you know, he's so unbelievably strong. He, like, breaks down the door and, like, kind of unwittingly shows off how strong he is at certain points. And his copy of Shonen Jump tries to eat him at one point. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, demon everything. There's, like, demon everything in the series. There's, like, demon Shonen Jump or, like, demon doors or... The, everything can be a demon, basically. There's even traffic lights, you know. <laughs> so, basically, you know, Poro befriends this one kid whose name I can't really remember. But he befriends this one kid who takes a liking to him. You know, they hang out. He has his first real friend. Like, uh, some demons follow him from the underworld. They kidnap the kid. And so Poro goes to rescue him. And he gets, like, all... Shows off, like, how scarily strong he can be and whatever. But, like, the human kid is not, like... 
scared at all. Like, he's just pretty impressed and all cool with it. So he just, Koro just continues living his daily life, basically. But other demons find out that Poro's in the human world. They're like, oh, yeah, let's go in there and kick his butt. And so that's basically the premise of the series. It's basically, you know, there's been a lot of these jump series that are about you know, demons coming from the underworld to engage in human culture. Like, there was Devly Man, there was Sam and the Summoner, there was Taco Wanabato's Daily Demon Diary. Like, it's like a whole genre of itself. So, I don't know if Poro really does anything to set the self aside from the rest of it. It has some pretty funny gags, though, so that's pretty nice. Like, uh, there's some great, like, movie poster parodies. My Name... And uh, soon Godzilla. <laughs> yes. Great. I actually remember seeing that. Yeah. So uh, the premise of uh, Poro is also kind of like Bloodlad, except it doesn't have as much dark humor. It's just very disgenuine kind of cutesy humor. And it's probably going to be more of a fighting series as it goes along. But right now it's very much like these kind of low key, like Poro is trying to fit in human society and like, and like demons are coming after him and messing with people around him. And he it helps these people around him by defeating the demons inside them or whatever. Like in the second chapter where this demon possesses the student council, not student council. He's like some hall monitor yeah. guy who is, Bob, who is messing with Poro because he was being late to school. It's like at the end of the chapter after Poro like expels like the demon from him, like he he's all more like chill with him. It's like I'll I'll let this slide this time. You can be late this time, whatever. So you know, there's some interesting things about Poro, but uh, I wasn't like too impressed with it necessarily. Uh, another thing I'd like to point out is that another reason why Poro comes to the demon world is that you know eventually in a year he's he's gonna have to take up the moniker of demon king but you know at the very least he wants to spend enough time in the human world to basically write enough diary entries down and uh, basically take note of like the culture in the human world so that maybe he can sort of reform the demon world to his liking you know to have it not be as violent or whatever uh, okay yeah, that's basically where the title comes from. Yeah. But yeah, that's another, like, his actually aspect. Like, when I become king, I'm going to reform the entire system so that we don't have to ever do this again, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we were discussing this earlier, but it feels very much like Bloodlad meets Gashbell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Personally, I, I thought it was funny and cute. I don't mind maybe reading another, like, gag series weekly and Jump, assuming this gets picked up in the Viz Jump, but... Out of the four that me and Sid have read, this one so far I would definitely like to read weekly along with uh, the other one, I guess, we could go on to talk about unless you have anything else you want to say, Sid. I mean, personally, this has been the weakest of the Gemstones for me so far. Just you because... think so? Yeah, just because I've seen this premise done so much in Jump in just the last couple of years. Again, that's, like I that's mentioned... That's fair, yeah. Devly Man, Taco and Abatsu, like, this is, this is a pretty common premise, a demon coming to the human world, you know, there's just a lot of things that can draw similarities to, and, like, there are good gags in it, but it's just not doing anything right now that's like, okay, what sets this apart from another series in the Silk, like Salmon, or Bloodlad, you know? Yeah, that that's totally fair, and I get that. 
because like even when I was reading the first chapter of Poro, I remember liking it and thinking it was funny. But even I remember thinking somehow like, huh, I'm not I like I like it, but I'm not like loving it. And I think that's probably the reason why is because I've seen this kind of premise done in manga before. And like you said, it's not really doing anything like super different to like set its uh, set itself aside from those other series that we've read. So I think that's probably what's keeping me from like like loving it. But you know, mm-hmm. I, I I enjoy it enough to where like I would read more of this if I had the chance to. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be interested in reading more of it and seeing where. But it it's goes. not like the most amazing thing I've ever read. You yeah, know? that's basically how I feel. Hungry Marie, on the other hand, I was a lot more enthusiastic about. I legitimately found it very funny. There were a lot of great jokes in the first chapter. Yeah, this was this I thought was a lot funnier. Mm-hmm. Like I actually really liked a lot of the gags in the first chapter of this. But uh, I guess we should just talk about real quick what uh, Hungry Marie is about. Essentially, you got you got these two kids who like. Yeah, hey, I know are... the main guy is like Taiga. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I don't remember the girl's name. There's Taiga, and then there's a little girl named Anne. Well, not a little girl. Okay. She's the same age as him. But basically, I know. The, I'm, uh, I'm getting to it. <laughs> basically, the point is like they're like on opposite religions or whatever. Like uh, Anne's family are good. Like, Christian and like Tiger's family are like Buddhist and so like their parents are like bickering with each other. Well, like uh, Tiger's grandmother, I think, bickers with the father of Anne all the time. And so there's some great jokes like where they're just bickering at each other about ringing the bells and like the kids are like just trying to not pay it in mind, not be embarrassed. It's a very kind of like Romeo and Juliet esque kind of thing in that way. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Um, yeah, yeah, I like. Oh, go ahead, Bomber. No, I was just about to say, this actually sounds like the type of thing that'd be okay in Sunday, actually. <laughs> it actually really does. It kind of does. I mean, we were saying it earlier that, or I said it earlier, that it somebody I know was reading the series and says basically Ranma meets Beelzebub. Yeah. And that really is what it is. <laughs> yeah, so to explain that aspect of it, to talk about the rest of the premise, basically Taiga discovers, like, Anne performing this some kind of ritual, and so, like, she basically ropes him in to be uh, her accomplice and what it basically means is like offering him as a sacrifice for them to revive the spirit of Marie Teresa like Mary Antoinette's daughter I can probably misremember her name but basically uh, M- Marie Therese Charlotte is Marie the name Therese of the girl. Charlotte, yeah. So they're trying to revive her because her family has been in servitude to uh, Mary Antoinette's for generations. And, and so, like, this is what they've been, like, dreaming of reviving her spirit for a long time. So they're going to use Taiga to sacrifice. And basically, you know, Taiga admits to Anne. He has feelings for her. In the moment, like, there's some, like, doki-doki romantic connection thing going on. Then lightning strikes uh, Taiga. Anne and her father can be dead. And they're, like, going to... Use some meat they just bought to be the sacrifice instead. But then Taika climbs out of the gaping hole in their floor and shock, he's in Marie's body. So he's somehow, they somehow revive Marie's body, and but now Taika's soul is in it. So yeah, there's the gender bender aspect of it. And uh, there's the, because Anne says that she sees like, the spirit of Marie, like, on the roof of their house all the time, and that's why she wanted to revive her, because she saw how sad she was, so presumably the spirit of the actual Marie is probably going to be around, and there's going to, that'll probably play into something down the line, 
But for now, basically, Tiger's basically trapped in Marie's body. So, yeah. Awkward. <laughs> um, I, I will say, as as much as I don't care for like the rom com genre of really anything, this was unconventional enough for me to have some kind of interest. I I would like to see where this goes. Yeah, I like gender benders. It's probably going to be a martial arts and like spiritually focused. It's probably going to take more of an action element as it goes along. So that'll be interesting. Overall, though, I just enjoy the humor. Of the chapter, it's like there's some very sharp dialogue that was like really nice. Some nice comedic timing. Yeah, yeah, that's so. That's that's Tamura's strength. I think he's just really good at that. He has this kind of almost Sorachi kind of sense of humor. Yeah, <laughs> it really did feel akin to that. <laughs> so he's got this kind of just very where the car the characters all have very sharp tongues, and it's just like. I, I don't like this word, but it's very snarky. All this is very, very, like... It's different than normal manga dialogue, where it's all very straightforward and stuff. It's just very... The kind of dialogue where it's like, everybody's just really smart with each other all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I like Tamura for that. Like, Beelzebub, even in its lowest moments, there was always... The dialogue was always really good. One of my favorite moments in the chapter is where Anne and Taiga's guardians are arguing with each other, basically from their houses... And I think Anne's father at one point is essentially calling her, essentially referring to the fact that she looks like the pirate captain from uh, Castle in the Sky. And I yeah. I, I kind of <laughs> lost my shit because it took me a second because I'm like, oh, wow, she really does look like her. That, I, and I thought that was pretty funny. That was probably one of my favorite jokes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just, just generally, I, I thought the comedic timing for the first chapter was just really on point because I felt like just in case we we haven't made it clear that this is a new series from Tamora, basically the guy behind Beelzebub. And while I feel overall, I'm not like super in love with Beelzebub. I do feel like one of Beelzebub's stronger points was its comedy. I found Beelzebub funny enough to where I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more from this particular author. Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This I'm definitely going to be reading more of. I think this is probably the most interesting new series out of the four we've gotten so far definitely now now i'm basically just waiting to see what dr stone is like yeah based on like uh what people have been talking about from like the leaks and whatever it seems pretty crazy so i'm looking forward to seeing what it's all about tomorrow i think my favorite chapter of the this round of jumpstarts is still we never learn in terms of the first chapter but Huggy marie was like left a really great first impression with some really strong humor like, it's one of the funniest new series in Jump in a long time, so I definitely am hoping for the best of it, and I think that, you know, because Beelzebub is popular, it'll probably get added to our Jump, so at least I'm hoping so, because I definitely would love to read more of this, because I think it has a lot of promise. I feel like it's a probably a pretty strong candidate to get picked mm-hmm. up. I can't see any of the first three getting picked up, but that's just me personally. But I'm, but I'm sure I'll probably be, be uh, proven wrong. Somehow. Maybe uh, Demon Prince Poirot will get picked up. I have no idea. I kind of feel like Dr. Stone will get it just because I hate to make this distinction. And I need to stop using that phrase and just be an asshole. (laughs) 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 You know, just just straight up be an asshole. But yeah, it it, it feels like to me that like Western stuff really goes by first impression by using art. And Dr. Stone, I mean, I haven't read it, but art wise, it does look the most impressive. Either that or name recognition. 
Yeah, or name recognition. I mean, but that's the same in Japan, too. Na- I mean, name impression is important, of course, to anybody. Because, I mean, clearly, if Eiichiro Oda starts a new series and some guy from left field does, people are going to read Oda's thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if they hated One Piece. So, I mean, that that's just how that works. But I just feel like here, we're a lot more akin to look at something and be like, okay, but does this look cool? Then okay, but is this interesting? Which is which is why uh, so many people, when uh, Mob Psycho 100 got an anime, was like, man, this looks like shit. I don't think I want to watch this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could tell them all day long, it's the same dude that made One Punch Man. And they would be like, but it doesn't look like One Punch And that's where they got into the whole argument about how come Madhouse couldn't draw this? And it's like... <laughs> and it's like... I mean, I can sit here and complain about that all day, but just one point I'd like to make is that with Met One Punch Man and my whole animation nerd side's going to come out now, but the One Punch Man animation staff was mostly people from Bones. <laughs> so, yeah. in fact, most of the people who drew One Punch Man drew Mob. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. In fact, <laughs> in fact, they're the same. I mean... A lot of the same guys were on both shows. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, but one, I mean, I get it. Murata is awesome. Nobody's denying that. Yeah. And so that's what they're looking at. They're not looking at one. They're looking at Murata. And yeah. it's like, yeah. But yeah, I, I just feel like Dr. Stone, I know the leaks are out and I've seen some impressions of it, but unless it's like just the story is terrible, which it doesn't seem that it is, it's probably going to be the more likely one to be picked up. They're probably going to pick up more than one because that's what they said. So, you know, okay. I would I would expect if they're going to pick up uh, Maximum Street, the ones that would pick up would be Humphrey Marie, uh, Doctor Stone, and Robot Laser Beam. Yeah, because uh, like we like we mentioned before, Robot Laser Beam is by the guy who did Kuroko's Basketball. So yeah, yeah, and I, I and I'm assuming that's doing pretty well for Viz. Or at the very least, Kuroko's Basketball has enough of a fandom over here that I think, yeah, they would be interested in picking that up, so. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I kind of feel that, too. I mean, I don't know if it was Kuroko before Haikyuu that they picked up, or? Well, they picked up Kuroko and Haikyuu at the same time. At the same time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I kind of feel like one led into getting the other, I guess. I, I, I Maybe I'm wrong. I think both were popular, so they decided to pick both up because they saw that, hey, these sports series, they're doing just really well on streaming country world. There's a demand for them, so let's release the manga here. Let's take a chance. Okay. And that's a chance that has paid off because Haikyuu is doing super well for them and Kuroko isn't doing too shabby either. Yeah. Okay, because I know uh, sports series have always been kind of like hit or miss. Or mostly miss, let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I know that that's always been. I mean, I can't think. Ice Shield did well, but that's just because it's American football. So I guess maybe that helped. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I mean, again, I'm probably the worst person to comment on the Western. That's why you guys are experts at this, I hope. <laughs> I'm, like, the worst person to talk to about the Western side because I don't read anything in English. Like, Hunter Hunter's next volume coming out in English next month will be my first English manga purchase in probably two years. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, that that's – I'm still getting the Hunter Hunters in English. That's about it. But well, that, I read everything I, I mean, in Japanese. obviously sports <laughs> manga have paid off, as we'll probably be talking about in a little bit. But uh, 
You know, speaking of news, we should probably just uh, move on to what we have to report on, Sid, if you want to talk about the monthly book scan February list first. Yeah, so we might not have New York Times, but at least we have book scan. And this month's book scan was pretty interesting. We had My Hero Academia's seventh volume ranking at number three in the top 20. Wow, that's really good for My Hero. Yeah, I'm very happy to see that um, Academia is doing very well, it seems. Not too far behind is our old friend Tokyo Ghoul with its 11th volume ranking at number 4. Then we've got the second volume of Legend of Zelda Legendary Edition ranking at number 5. So wow, three of the top five are taken up by manga. That's pretty cool. The first volume of the Legend of Zelda Legendary Edition is also ranked at number 7. The tenth volume of One Punch Man is ranked at number 11, with the second volume of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusaders ranked at number 14, and the 81st volume of One Piece ranked at number 18. That's a whole lot of manga in the top 20 in February, and that's pretty awesome. Yep, that's just really nice to see. But I think uh, just moving on, once again, we, we, got, we got a few manga that are unfortunately ending and mm-hmm. uh, one of the first ones we want to report on is uh, obviously another with, with all these new series coming to jump. Unfortunately, it's more more a few more of these series kind of have to end. Uh, this next one being uh, Ole Galazzo, which uh, at the time of this recording has uh, pretty much ended in this uh, past issue of Jump. So that's unfortunate to see. Again, as as someone who was like really interested in Ole Galazzo and really taken aback by like kind of the style that at least the first chapter had i'm sad to see it go because really out of out of like all the new jump series that it that like premiered last year along with promise neverland this was kind of the one i was interested in seeing the most because again i i went back to look at this author's other work and it seems like he or she has potential to really uh come out with something great and i hope that maybe he or she will get another chance to do something good in jump or really just any other magazine i don't know i just i just want them to get more work it really is a shame because Oli galazzo did have a very strong first impression with some good arc a very slam dunk-esque tone and feel it yes. definitely seemed really fun and too bad unfortunately i guess soccer manga Jump readers don't want to go for that right now. We Lord really liked it, so maybe I'll read up on uh, what released. But it's too bad. Hopefully uh, Robot Laser Beam succeeds where it didn't in terms of a sports manga success in Jump. Yeah, that would be nice. But that's gone. But let's talk about the next manga ending, Sid. Well, it's not ending yet, but it's basically a confirmation of something that you know, if you've been reading the series for the last two years, you kind of already knew. But it's basically the first official confirmation, which is nice, you know, that there is not going to be dragon out after this. But yeah, basically, Fairy Tale is uh, been confirmed to be in its last arc. You know, there's been all this promotion for, you know, the new Fairy Tale film, Fairy Tale Dragon Cry. And basically, all the trailers and the website have been, like, saying, oh, the manga is going to be ending soon. The manga is in its final arc. So. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, they beat Irene a few weeks ago. Now all that's left is like Zareph and Akonologia. They can probably take care of that before the end of the year. Maybe around the time the movie comes out. So, yeah, Fairy Tale is ending this year. That's uh, It had a good 11-year run, you know? So that's pretty good for it. 
Huh, 11 years. I see, hearing you say that, I feel like it would have been a little older, but no, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. It has been around for a while now. Hmm. I'm I'm tempted to, like, start reading it once maybe it's over, but we, we were kind of talking about this off mic. I just, man, that time skip really just was just a giant deal breaker for me uh mm-hmm. as to uh how much i really wanted to keep reading that series weekly yeah i want to recommend continuing to read fairy tale past the time skip you know i'm not going to wow is that bad <laughs> i mean i'm not i'm not fairy tale has its fans and i don't think like it's the worst thing in the world or anything it's not like, the it's worst not, thing but yeah it's just it's just not it it is very frustrating series because it could be really good but Mashima just takes the lazy route when he's writing a lot of the times, and a repetitive route, or a pointless route, and you're like, why are you doing this? It's like, the problem with Bleach, at least it's not as, like, dull as Bleach was in its final years, in terms of, like, all the characters, like, reacting the same way, or, like, having this really self-serious tone. At least Faradell has some humor in it, even if, like, the humor isn't necessarily funny. At least it's like it isn't like it takes itself too seriously. So it's a I can't self-aware. like. Self-aware. No, it's not self-aware at all. But it, it <laughs> doesn't take itself. It doesn't take itself as seriously as Bleach would. Like in saying, but that's oh, fair, yeah. it, it doesn't. It's not pretending to have like a deep message or anything. Like Bleach could have the pretense of I having think the word a time. Is being pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I guess. No. Yeah. Well, I, I, oh. Well, no, that's interesting. I, I need no, and the, but Bobber Bobber needs to know this. So, so the reason I dropped Fairy Tale was around. So, Fairy Tale at one point has this time skip where, like, basically all the characters are in the middle of like some kind of like rank test or something where they all have to fight against each other in order to like gain a rank or something. I don't remember exactly what the whole point of that was, and I don't really care. But essentially, they're all fighting against kind of the big bad or this like big badass dragon thing or whatever yeah acknowledge yeah and and like they're clearly at the end of their rope they all decide to hold hands because they're all friends and the power of friendship Wait, will literally i remember this will, will literally <laughs> save them because apparently apparently it did because like it looks like the at first the island is like completely destroyed and then like years later the fairy tale like guild uh suffers because of like uh, kind of because of it because they lose all their best guys but then it turns out oh no like they didn't die they were just in like magic time freezing stasis it just turns out they're all alive and then they come back to the fairy tale guild and basically like the time skip is pointless because nothing comes from it and everything yeah. essentially just goes back to normal. Huh. Yeah, I kind of recall that. I mean, I'm going to admit that my interaction with Fairy Tale is basically the first 48 episodes of the anime, and that's about it. <laughs> so, I, and it wasn't even really I was watching this anime because I liked it. It was because my sisters did. <laughs> and that was their source of anime. So, <laughs> you know, they wanted to watch it. So I, you know, got it through questionable means done quickly. Jojo reference for the win. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know much. I mean, I've in and out, I've thought about reading it because I liked Mishima's last long work, Rave. I really liked Rave. I know. I'm a big fan of that series in particular, too. So, you know, when I heard he was doing something else, then I was like, oh, okay, Rave was pretty fun, even though the anime was terrible. But, um, yeah, and, and just to go, you know, just to, just to show you 
What's interesting about anime studios and everything like that is the people that did the terrible rave anime are doing the widely acclaimed Rakugo. Oh, Studio Dean, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. That's, that's, so that's interesting. You, you never should talk shit. It's, it's like the ultimate of that meme. Watch who you call shitty in high school. No, it's, yeah, it's well, it, be, be, be careful who you call ugly in middle school. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the talent pool of studios changes all the time. So, like, Studio Dean is probably in a way better place than it was ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely are. They definitely are. But I mean, getting that, yeah, I you know I liked Rave, even though I never finished it, which is something I should do. But yeah, I liked Rave, so I figured, okay, fairy tale. And it, it, it's like you guys said, it's there's nothing wrong with it per se. It's just like it's just not as it's not as good as it could be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and then, you know, I had in my college days a million years ago, that was the big argument, which was, you know, One Piece versus Fairy Tale because they look so similar. <laughs> so, and it always did kind of bug me a little bit that, like, a lot of the times people chose Fairy Tale. And again, my sister pretty much summed it up really nicely, which is that one fairy tale has a slightly better anime which is why it wins i don't know about that <laughs> in the sense of pacing i guess i i don't know okay yeah the pacing is better yeah, it, yeah. she watches a fairy tale anime i haven't watched one piece anime in a while so i don't know and i guess a lot of times here because you have a couple of things where it's like okay i mean i know we're gonna probably talk about it later but like keijo for example that's like just the anime we're probably never going to get the manga but that's usually how we get things here is we usually get the anime and then maybe get the manga later if the anime does really well yeah <laughs> so the representative of fairy tale is the anime which i guess pacing wise maybe animation wise is better than one pieces where one piece is like definitely a much better experience in the manga but nobody likes reading, so... Yeah, yeah, apparently nobody likes to read. Unless you're not watching the dub, then you're, you're reading it with subtitles anyway, so whatever, guys, I guess. Whatever. Okay, so that's in its final arc. But just to kind of move along here with uh, a few other series that... Actually, this one, at the time of this recording, technically just ended today. Because uh, as of today, in the April issue of Jump Square, Kentaro Yabuki and Saki Hasemi's To Love Ru, Darkness has ended, which is funny because, like, I could have sworn from the way I had uh, read reports about Talavru, I was under the impression that, like, it was starting its final arc, but I guess, I guess, like, it just, it ended today in Jump Square, mm -hmm. so it ended a lot sooner than I thought it was going to, but I probably just misread some of the reports, but yep, that's ended, and... I've always been kind of morbidly curious about To Love Rue, so it's something I kind of want to get to, but, like, I don't know if it would really be my thing at all. <laughs> well, now Kentaro Yabuki can go and draw something good again. <laughs> <laughs> wow! That was... That was that harsh. Was, that was... Oh my god. Wow, Sid. Um, somebody is sassy today. I'm not I mean, I don't blame him. <laughs> I mean, like, I, listen, with Two Love You, the whole thing with that was, like, okay, with most romance series, the problem that usually stems from them is they go far too long. Yeah. Is Two yeah. Love You even a romance series? It's like basically softcore okay, porn. Okay, fine. It's softcore porn. It's softcore <laughs> porn. There. You made me say it. Are you happy? It's softcore porn. I'm saying it again. It's so okay 
Even softcore porn is okay when it starts, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was an okay series for... Listen, it knew what it was, and, did it, and I mean, I have to respect that for a lot of anime and manga, because a, a lot of shit, like, starts off trying to be... Like, like Bleach, for example, it starts off trying to be really pretentious, and, like, I'm not just this, I'm this. But the two of you, from the beginning, knew, hey, I'm just here to get you, help you get a hard-on. And... <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> if that's what you want to read, go for it. But the problem is then it went on way too long. I mean, it was in Weekly Shonen Jump for a while. Then there was this whole... I'm not going to go into it because I'm not sure of the details, but there was this whole thing that went on with, with Yabuki. And so it got canceled in Jump. Mm-hmm. But clearly people were still... They still wanted their raging boners, so they moved <laughs> to Jump Square. So And that's where it's been running. Uh, and... Again, I've read a couple chapters of it, and let me tell you something. I'm not going to deny it. I love Yabuki Kentaro's art. Mm-hmm. All right? yeah. I, maybe I don't ca- much care for the subject matter, and it's the subject matter is a little skeevy, but his art is just, it's fucking wonderful. So, yeah. That's <laughs> I mean, why I want I him to can't. draw something good again. Like Black Cat. Yeah, and, Black Cat was great. Yeah, he, and, and the funny thing is he mentioned wanting to draw more Black Cat. Yeah. I really need, that's another thing I need to finish. But yeah, it's like, I, I don't know how that series ended, but apparently it was ended in a way where it's like, oh, I'd like to do more. But then he ended up with To Love You for a decade. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that if it had ended way sooner, it probably would have been more okay, I guess. Hmm. I guess I could see that, yeah. I literally know n- nothing about, like, any of the story beats for To Love Rue. If it, if it has any, I have no idea. Maybe it is just softcore porn, I just don't know it. But I'm curious enough about it to where I will probably read it at some point. But I could also see myself just being like, yeah, this is great if I want to, like, jerk off or something. But, I mean, I'm probably not going to read any more of it. Yeah, we we Lord showed me an image <laughs> of something that happened in Chapter a couple months ago or something where two girls were 69ing each other's tails or whatever. Oh my god! So... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you see, yeah, you know, when, when, when I was young and horny, you know, I was... That was the kind of thing I read. But nowadays, you know, I'm more... BDR is more of a commitment dude. <laughs> so, I, I, so I had to kind of, you know, I had to find Jesus and... <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's now I don't read that kind of stuff anymore. I I just <laughs> ouch. I mean, granted, I'm sure if I really, really were just lonely one night. <laughs> okay, that's enough. <laughs> okay, um, what's the? Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so so apparently I'm just gonna move on. So, like we said, we're talking about Shonen Sunday, and um. I guess before we get on to our full discussion later, two series and Shonen Sunday at the time of this recording have been confirmed to be ending. Uh, Bomber, would you like to tell us which ones are ending at the moment? Uh, sure. Right now is Denpa Kyoshi and Hayate no Gotoku or Hayate de Combat Butler. Um, those are the two that have been confirmed. Well, actually, I guess somehow ANN got the leak. Because Hayate had, as of the last issue of Shonen Sunday, they hadn't mentioned how long Hayate had to go. Okay. <laughs> so they must have somehow got next week's issue ahead of time. Yeah. So, and I guess that's where they mentioned it's got six chapters left. Denpa Kyoshi, 
technically you see the thing with the the, the magazine is they haven't actually officially said these when these things are going to end it's just people are implying it from other sources like for Tempa Kyoshi generally speaking you can go on Amazon and it'll tell you before volumes out if it's the last one okay and so people are mm-hmm. just or Shogakukan's website, as they did with Denpa Kyoshi. But yeah, they went to Shogakukan's website, and the last volume, usually they'll have a little blurb, you know, the blogs about, this is this month's volumes about blah, 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 and then if it's the last volume, they'll usually say it there, final volume. So that's how people figured out Denpa Kyoshi is ending. Now, again, with Hayate, it just seems like they probably got an early copy of the magazine somehow and it mentioned it in there because I've read the last chapter and the last magazine and it wasn't mentioned at all that Hayate is ending. And then on top of that, there's another series ending that nobody's going to talk about because it was even unpopular in Japan. And I don't remember the title off the top of my head, but that's ending actually next week. And hmm. I will be covering that on the blog, which I guess I'll talk more about that later. But yeah, that's ending next week. And then, as I mentioned off mic before we started this, apparently Keijo's ending in issue 21 of Shonen Sunday. I don't have any proof of this, but... But, but, um, like, but you're hearing rumblings. I'm hearing rumblings. I mean, a friend of mine who's just as much as a Sunday head as me has said that they're talking about on Japanese forums because apparently a bunch of guys are able to get the magazine early there too, which is probably where ANN's news source is. But they are saying that in issue 21, Keijo has been set to end. Okay. Right now, Shonen Sunday's on issue 14, so there's a little bit of time for that. So right now we've got basically one series that's ending next chapter this week really one series is ending this week high attain six chapters and if i had to take a stab at it Dempa kyoshi and probably four or five hmm. um and it, and it looks like if keijo is going to be ending in issue 21 and we're on issue 14 now that's about seven chapters left mm-hmm. which is about a volume yeah so, that's, so that, so that makes, makes sense if they were going to do it if they were going to end it, it would probably because I remember when they actually had an advertisement for a new volume that's coming out, I guess, March 17th. So hmm. it would probably be the volume after that that they plan to end it. But yeah, that's generally and now Sunday's kind of got a, a little bit of a hole going on because <laughs> because no, wow. they yeah. unlike jump. I mean, like jump. They do eventually have serialization rounds where a bunch of stuff gets serialized, but lately they haven't had any. Huh, okay. Well, we'll probably be gearing up for a new set soon, maybe around the time of the summer. Yeah, probably, because the last time they had new series, there were only two. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Jump usually does them, I guess, I guess they usually do a couple at a time. But Sunday will do it where they'll have, like, one new series and then nothing for a while. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so the last two series they just started well Ryoko's first volume came out last month but I want to assume that it probably it started maybe November October November and then the other series started maybe a week after that but yeah so there those are all ending and of course Hayate's like I guess kind of a big deal I remember at one point it was but it kind of isn't anymore I mean it's been running for so long at the very least like over 10 years you know, what's funny is, I think it started around the same time Gintama did. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I think it started, like, 2004-ish, so yeah, probably. 2003-2004-ish, yeah, because I think Hayate and Gintama are... I don't think they're at the same chapter count, because Hayate takes a, took a lot of breaks, while Sorachi didn't so much, so Gintama's a little further ahead, but 
Yeah, they started around the same time, and they actually somewhat have the same sense of humor. But yeah, Haite is definitely a different genre than Gintama, so... But yeah, that's... Yeah, Haite used to be, like, I won't say a flagship for this magazine, but it was definitely a big deal for a while. Then it kind of just... I remember at one point coming in contact with a few fans of Hayate the Combat Butler at one point. So like, obviously it it had its fan base. I don't I don't know what its fan base is like nowadays, but I enjoyed what I had read of it. Like I, I read the first couple lines a long time ago, and I enjoyed what I read of it. I probably would continue reading more once I get the time. But the probably frustrating thing about the English release is that Viz is only releasing like two volumes a year. They've been doing that for the last couple of years, so we're only, like, in volume 29 right now. So, like, Hayate's ending with, like, 60-ish volumes, right? So if they continue to just release two volumes a year, it's going to take 15 more years for them to finish publishing the rest of Hayate. Well, I guess it's better than Gintama. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's why I'm looking at it. <laughs> I mean, I actually, I, I knew that this was doing the series, but I thought they had abandoned it a long time ago. No. I didn't realize that they were still releasing it, so that's better than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had no idea they were... I mean, I always thought it was weird, because, like, Viz tried to do the whole thing that they did with Jump with Sunday, and I guess it didn't quite work out. Well, they haven't really licensed that many Sunday titles, like... Geez, the last major one they licensed was, what, Magi? And that was a couple of years ago, so it's like they really yeah. haven't picked up anything like new for the Sunday imprint in like a long time. Which I don't get, because it's like you pick up these jump things that like have just as likely a success rate. I mean, it's not like these are big hits when they get them, because clearly they're doing the jump start thing, and I'm sure they've seen a lot of canceled series through that program. <laughs> so I, I don't get why there isn't kind of a Sunday or equivalent. I mean. But, mm-hmm. well, anyway, I don't know the industry. Again, I'm kind of an outlier, <laughs> and I feel kind of bad about that. I really should probably try to buy more stuff in English. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's about it for, like, all the series that are ending. But, unfortunately, we have another well-known series kind of going on uh, hiatus, and that being Terraformars from uh, Yu Sasuga and Kenichi Tachibana. Uh, that was apparently announced in the uh, 14th issue of Young Jump this past Thursday. And essentially, Terraformars is going on hiatus on uh, March 9th, which is when the uh, 15th issue of uh, Young Jump is set to be released. The editing staff for that magazine had mentioned that the two people behind Terraformars, that being Tachibana and Sasuga, they're planning on resuming the manga this fall and... It looks like the uh, because of this, the 21st volume of Terraformars will be delayed indefinitely from its uh, planned release date of uh, May 19th. And uh, the magazine also mentioned, as well as their website and their Twitter account, has uh, stated that they'll announce an exact date for the manga's return and pre-orders for uh, Volume 21 at a later date. So... I don't know what the fan base for Terraformars is like, but that's going to be on hiatus, unfortunately. And I, I think I forgot to mention this, but I believe it's because Sasuga in particular has uh, going through a few health issues at the moment. So I hope he feels better. It just goes back to my thing where I honestly wouldn't mind. And I mean, I don't know what it would take for this to happen. And I don't think it'll ever happen. But 
You know, I wouldn't mind if there was just some movement at one point to maybe just make all manga anthologies a release at a rate of, like, one issue a month, you know, at some point. I mean, I know we have monthly anthologies, but I wouldn't mind if there was some movement at one point where it's just like, okay, clearly uh, these weekly comics are killing all of our best creators. Maybe we should um, rethink our schedule a bit at some point. M maybe keep our best creators alive. That would be nice. Yeah, I, I, kinda, I agree with you. I do, because it's like, it seems like the weekly guys have it really tough. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, again, I'll get more into my main man, Fukuchi, later, but yeah, that's killed two of his series just because of illness. But yeah, it's, it, but the thing about it is they're, I guess to put it, the, for no other way for me to put it, it's kind of a Stockholm Syndrome thing, but a lot of them like it, <laughs> so oh my God. it's it's kind of it's kind of hard. I mean, like, obviously, there are manga cuts who are like, this is hell, I hate this. Obviously, there are a few like that, but there are a few that are just kind of like, oh, I, I like this, though. So it'd be kind of difficult to make that movement work when the guys themselves are saying, yeah, we're okay. <laughs> but, 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 sir, you, you just lost yeah. a limb while drawing. No, it's fine. <laughs> I, that, I'll just have to take a break next week. I think there should just be more allowance for more flexible schedules for Mangaka to do kind of like what Fukuchi does and like maybe draw an arc and take a break for a little while before going back and, you know, doing a new yeah, one. Yeah, and that's, and that's one thing, again, we'll have plenty of time. I'll talk my head off. But yeah, that's one thing I do like about Sunday is that they are kind of taking different approaches to working with people. Aside from just, hey, draw this thing weekly until you die, perhaps. I mean, there's a story that they, I, I don't know if it was Takahashi or someone else, but they actually wouldn't let them go overseas because it was just like, what if the plane, like, blows up and you're on it? <laughs> oh, that's I don't, interesting. I guess it wouldn't be Takahashi because he has been in America before. I mean, no, it was kind of like an antidote where it was like, they really didn't want this person to go overseas, but eventually they just, I guess they won out. Because it's like, yeah, that's kind of like almost slavery. Uh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess maybe they were like, okay, maybe we're violating a few human rights conditions. Maybe we should let them go. <laughs> but We should probably release them from their shackles now. We're going to get in real trouble. Yeah, it was like, I remember, I don't I don't know if it was Jump or Sunday, but I know it was some mangaka making kind of like a statement like, you know, hey, they really gave me a hard time when I want to like go overseas for whatever reason because of that reason. Because it's kind of like, hey, what if something happens to you? And granted, I guess it's okay for your employer to be concerned, but <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like overdoing it a smidgen. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I really wish there were a way to kind of like, because Japan and all, not just manga, but all of Japan has this kind of, I got to work till I die kind of mentality. Yeah, that's just the general attitude of their society, unfortunately. Yeah. And, that, and it's it's really bad. And I mean, I know a bunch of us lazy foreigners <laughs> probably would never understand. <laughs> but I, I guess, I don't know. I, I just feel like when people make like really outreaching statements about like how this culture is wrong from our culture culture standpoint <laughs> it's just like i i, I never like that because i'm just kind of like okay but you know you're looking at it from yeah i mean i don't, I don't want to say that i think it's necessarily wrong for them to have that kind of work ethic but at some points it, it it's worrying it, yeah. it's a little it's a little concerning because a, yeah. a lot of people kind of take that ethic a little too far Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, when you got Oda drawing from a fucking hospital room, yeah, it's yeah. time to rethink. <laughs> it's time to rethink. 
and again, it's like I said earlier, it's not even a thing where it's like they told him to do that. I'm sure the Shirisa guys are like, put the fucking pen away. You kind of write the best-selling manga in the universe. Could you, <laughs> we, we need you to rest. Yeah. yeah and the Luffy will be there when you when you get back. No, he won't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to the point that he's drawing in the hospital, and it's like, they didn't make him do that, he chose to, so it's kind of like, I mean, neither everybody's Togashi, who Togashi's like, fuck you guys, I have, I have to sell every manga because my wife, I don't need money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm married to Sailor Moon. <laughs> exactly, and then Hunter Hunter sells, whether I do it or not. <laughs> I mean, he looks at the series as a hobby. We've got to just acknowledge that at this point. Yeah, yeah. Hunter Hunter to Togashi is a hobby at this. Well, point. Well, he is also <laughs> actually, you know, has back pain and like his ill. Yeah, and I stuff. mean that too. I mean, yeah, that's true. But I mean, before we knew what was going on, it was clear that Hunter Hunter is a thing he does when he's got a little free time. Right now, we know it is kind of yeah back issues. So he does have plans for manga after Hunter Hunter. So we know that you know he still want he likes drawing manga. He wants to draw more manga. It's just that he does have to watch out for the his house. The spirit is willing, you know? but the body is weak. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, it's it's not like what everybody on the internet is saying about him. Like, oh, Togashi's just lazy. He just likes playing Dragon Quest. He's just a lazy guy. Like, that's not really it. He's he's a human being, and he has limits. And I need to derail it. Why don't I just be an asshole? But yeah, to just, <laughs> just one more note before we... Before I let you guys go back to the news, I kind of feel bad. I did really, it's so bad. That <laughs> but, happens all the time. It would have happened with or without you. <laughs> so let's just talk about how my, our feelings for next hour. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, again, it's just, that's just how society is over there. It's just like you work when you enjoy stuff and, you know, a lot of manga could really do just enjoy this grind. That's what they know, especially the older ones who've been drawing like, weekly manga for their entire lives i mean i can't even imagine like aoyama finishing conan and then going to like a monthly publication I, I, it would be probably weird for him he'd still be drawing monthly <laughs> like i remember there was one mangaka that mentioned it one time where it was like the publication switched to monthly but he was like three four months ahead like when the series ended <laughs> he had actually finished drawing it like half a year ago because <laughs> he was still drawing at a monthly weekly pace Wow. <laughs> so he was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, at least you know. at least with Aoyama in particular, you know, if he ever decided to end Conan, uh, assuming that he never like ever touches this thing ever again, at least if he ended Conan, he could even if he still felt like, man, I, I really want to work on a thing. I guess I could work on more Kaito Kid. Nah, I'm just I don't feel like it. <laughs> it's funny because he mentioned wanting to do something like based off the Sayuki legend. Mm, that'd be interesting. So he, I remember reading some interview where he said that, but the reason why he doesn't is because drawing backgrounds where it would be a pain in the ass. Mm, yeah. That's his words. Anyway, I've diverged enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Tsutsumo Nihei's newest series, Aposmas, is now simulpubbing on Comixology. I haven't read the series yet, but what's interesting about it is that it seems to be a spin-off of Knights of Sidonia, because the title Aposmas is the same name of the other seed ship that, uh, was explained in Sidonia that escaped, like, the destruction of Earth, the other one of those ships being the Sidonia itself. So this, this series seems to be about what happened to the crew of the other ship, and it seems like they landed down in this, like, icy planet, and in this post-apocalyptic 
world and they might be fighting with natives or whatever. So it's very interesting to see another story in the Sidonia universe and focusing on the the survivors of the other ship, like the other half of the remaining human survivors that we didn't really get to explore in Sidonia itself. So that's pretty interesting. Another thing is Yen Press has been on simul publishing a manga adaption of Ancient and the Mac- Magic Tablet uh, which they have retitled to Napping Princess, the story of the unknown me. That's a based on a new film, a new anime film that's like coming out pretty soon, debuting at the International Children's Film Festival in New York on March 19th. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, you know, manga adaption of this cool new film. And so that's being somewhat published. It'll probably be a short series if it's a movie adaptation. So. Maybe instead of watching the movie, since I can't do that anymore, I'll read this manga instead. That's not the only new manga coming out. Comic Kills Mangaka Takahiro is launching a new manga called Hinoa Gagyuku on June 14th. From what Relord tells me, the preview of the page shows a character resembling a Kame from a Comic Kill alongside new characters. And so maybe it's going to be a sequel or otherwise set in the same world. So that's pretty interesting. But yeah, so that guy has a new manga coming out and it may or may not be a sequel to a comic a kill. Now moving on, we have some Dark Horse licenses. First off, we've got Hatsune Miku Future Delivery, which is by the writer and artist of Overlord. Uh, the Overlord manga, that is, which is pretty interesting. And it's a two-volume series, and so Dark Horse is going to release it starting October 4th. And it's a story set in the distant future about a girl with no clue to her memories, except for a green-head ponytail person, Hatsune Miku, and finds her only friend in a delivery robot, and she and the delivery robot search the world in search of Miku, only to learn the idol has taken different forms of the memory different worlds. You know, it's really interesting to see how many different interpretations of Hatsune Miku they can make based on just this one character. I'm not, because Vocaloid will always make some kind of money because it is a popular thing and a lot of people like Miku, so there's that. Well, Hatsumi Miku in particular is an incredible phenomenon, and it's like this mega iconic character that is like yeah. become super transcendent. I mean, she performed on the goddamn David Letterman show. I'm gonna have to look that up later. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, so you know, uh, it's pretty interesting. Miku love and fandom will never die. The other dark horse thing is that they are going to release a gallery edition for the Lone Wolf and Cub manga. It's going to be a single volume compendium that's going to collect a select pages from the manga at the size in which they were originally drawn, and the pages will include corrections or margin notes Kozeki Kojima created when he first drew the manga back in the 70s. And the pages are going to be selected by the writer of the series, Kazue Koike. So that's pretty interesting. I'm a huge Lone Wolf and Cup fan, so I'll definitely collect this, because it'll be interesting to see the artist and artist notes from original uh, scans of the original copies of the original pages. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that really does sound interesting. I, as far as I know, that's not a thing that ever really gets published too often. 
or if ever. Mm -hmm. Now Kodansha has also licensed some new manga that they plan to release digitally and some very interesting titles too. Uh, The first one being The Full-Time Wife Escapist by Tsunami Umino. Basically about this woman who, you know, she has a graduate degree, but because of job scarcity, she can only find temp employment. Now she's working as a housekeeper for a subordinate of her father's company. That sounds relatable. Yeah, so when her parents decide to move, you know, she doesn't want to move out of the country. So she's like, oh man, I need to find a permanent job. So torn about what to do, like... The guy she's working as a housekeeper for proposes to her to enter a contract marriage, basically to marry him so she doesn't have to leave the city or wherever she is. And, uh, you know, basically he wants to do it because he just doesn't want to hire another housekeeper. And she wants to do it just because she wants to stay in, like, the city. So it's, like, marriage of convenience that'll probably turn into, like, actual feelings based on the tropes of the genre or whatever. It seems like a neat enough premise, and I like the character design of uh, Mikuri. So, yeah, it looks like a fun one. Uh, Another manga that they've licensed is House of the Sun, which is about a girl who used to spend a lot of time with her neighbor and would all be happy. But years later, you know, she's in high school and her father remarries and she feels like she's lost her home when like her former neighbor, who's now like a 20 something, moves in with them. So that seems like a interesting romance premise, too. And that they've also licensed Peach Heaven by Mari Yoshino, which is about a high school girl who is secretly a famous erotica author who witnesses huh. an intimate moment between one of her teachers and a supermodel and borrows a little too much from what she's seen to meet the deadline. And when the supermodel catches wind of this, you know, she makes an offer that she can't refuse. So basically blackmails her. And so uh, this is a high-tension romantic comedy about blackmail and erotica. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that actually sounds like it could be pretty f- interesting. It's totally out of my normal genre thing, but I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool to see more Jose titles come over here. Especially, like, these seem like an interesting variety of uh, different types of titles, too. So, you know, these are digital only for now, but, you know, it's really cool to see more manga like this come out. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to take over here for a little bit, because Kodansha has uh, licensed more stuff, as they have announced pretty recently at this weekend's uh, Emerald City Comic Con. Not only have they announced more licenses, actually, they're doing some pretty cool stuff with Ghost in the Shell. It looks like they're doing something kind of in the same vein as um, as they did with their like Attack on Titan anthology that they did a little while back, where they basically recruit all of these different artists and or whatnot to uh, create their own uh, stories or whatnot. It looks like they're doing the same thing with... Uh, Ghost in the Shell uh, is going to be a collaboration between uh, the original creator, uh, Shiro Masamune, and an all-star cast of uh, Western comic creators, and is going to be a single volume, uh, hardcover, full color, which is going to be released next spring in uh, 2018. And it looks like Konancha Comics is doing a collaboration with uh, Mondo to basically present an exclusive Ghost in the Shell poster illustrated by Becky Clunan. Uh, there are going to be uh, 250 standard and 125 uh, variant editions of these posters that will be made available on uh, March 14th. 
And then uh, let's see, just moving on to more licenses from Kodansha. I kind of made kind of a crack about this earlier about uh, some new sports manga because uh, Kodansha apparently uh, licensed three new sports manga. All of these I know are pretty popular and well-beloved. First one being Yuji Terajima's Ace of the Diamond, which does have an anime on Crunchyroll. This series I've been particularly uh, interested in reading as it's a, a baseball manga. So I'm sure Maxi and his love of baseball manga will definitely be checking this out, I'm sure. And next one we got here is uh, All-Rounder Meguru from creator Hiroki Endo, who is uh, previously the author of Eden, It's an Endless World, which I remember reading like a volume of that in particular and thinking, um, well, it looked kind of interesting. It kind of wasn't really my thing, but but I, I am interested in seeing his take on a uh, apparently an MMA manga. That's That's not something you see around too often. Be checking that out. And this is definitely one I've been seeing around a lot for years, um, I believe. I don't know if the anime for this is licensed, but I see people talk about this one a lot. A manga called Giant Killing from uh, Masaya Tsunamoto and Tsujimoto it is basically a, a soccer manga. That one I'm going to be checking out for sure. And then it looks like along with these three, Kodansha has also licensed a few more titles, some of which I never thought would ever get licensed. Uh, the first one basically being kind of my biggest personal surprise, uh, Natsumi Eguchi's Hozuki's Cool-Headedness, or as some people may refer to as uh, Hozuki no Reitetsu, which uh, had an anime a little while back. You can buy that from uh, Sentai Filmworks, and I believe is still available on Crunchyroll. And along with Kotono Kato's Altair, A Record of Battles, and Ryosuke Tomoe's Museum. All of these three in particular we'll see a uh, basically a digital release on March 21st. Let's see, Giant Killing, All-Rounder, Meguru, and Ace of the Diamond. All three of these titles will also be going on sale digitally on uh, March 7th. By the time this uh, this podcast is out, you'll be able to buy them. And if you're not sure whether you want to buy them or not, Kodansha also has previews for all the first chapters of these first three uh, available if you want to check them out. Sid, I think it's pretty important to just emphasize the fact that a Kodansha licensed three sports manga. Yeah, I think it's really cool that we're getting more sports manga over in the U.S. And it's pretty cool to have a diverse type of titles, too, because we got baseball, we got soccer, we've got MMA. So, you know, I've been looking forward to reading these series for a long time, and it's great that they're finally available in legally in English. So I'll definitely give these a first day purchase and check them out finally. Yeah, I think Ace of Diamond and Hozuki, I've been interested in the both of those in particular for a while. I'm probably going to get those day one because I, I really do want to read those, especially Hozuki, because Hozuki, I think I might have mentioned it off mic, you know, kind of in the early stages of my Gintama fandom, I had seen a lot of my friends really gravitate towards that series. And I mean, from like the little I've seen of it, I feel like it's kind of the same dry kind of sense of humor. But, like, there's a lot of, like, folklore involved in that series, and that's kind of part of its humor a lot. So I wonder, like, how dialogue-heavy the series really is going to be. But I also hear the art's really nice, too, though, so I might buy the manga just for that. But that's something I really want to support, because this is, like I mentioned earlier, Sentai picked up the anime for, like, a physical release. But I'm really surprised that, like, anyone picked up the manga for this at all just considering its uh, source material. I guess, I mean, I mean it, the anime was available on Crunchyroll and Sentai, so I guess maybe they did well enough to to presume that there is an audience for it. Actually, 
if I can say something, I'm actually really, again, I'm not used to really the Western fandom when it comes to manga, but it's interesting that what digital is doing nowadays. Like, I'm pretty sure a lot of this stuff is just maybe even going with Hoseki. It's probably the fact that now they can, the digital outlet's probably much easier to work with. Oh, yeah. Then now they can just license more stuff just based on the fact that, hey, if it does well, great. Then we'll do a physical thing for people who want that. But if it doesn't do well, I would imagine the cost of doing, you know, a physical release versus a digital one, there's probably a huge difference there. And I like that Kodansha's doing this, because I can see this eventually becoming a thing where it's like, you know, the stuff that really sells, that's really selling a lot, will get physical releases, and then people can actually vote with their wallets, I guess, for what they want to see on their actual bookshelves. And then they can license more stuff. Because I feel like a lot of the reason why in the past that stuff wouldn't get licensed because it's long... And, you know, releasing all of that on paper was just kind of a pain and probably expensive. Yeah, especially in, like, Ace of Diamonds' case, because I'm pretty sure that series is, like, 40-plus volumes long at this point. Yeah, 47 volumes. It's over, but it's 47 volumes long. Oh, uh, okay. Actually, it's got a sequel. Oh. It ended, then went on hiatus, then it came back. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. So, that's how that's going. So, yeah, I feel like with Hosuki, especially, like like you said, if every if it was the way it used to be, I wouldn't be surprised they didn't touch it. Oh, yeah. But now that it's kind of like, okay, it's got an associated anime, people probably have seen that. You can make a couple of bucks off a digital release. Mm-hmm. And at the very worst, if nobody gets it, then, you know, you can keep the digital releases going, and they don't cost that much to do, even if nobody really... For, I mean, you got to pay the translators, I suppose, and the people who do the touch-ups for the art and whatever, but you got to pay them. But I'm pretty sure the overhead of sending it out to stores, paying people to, you know, the paperwork and all that stuff, I, that's gone. So oh, yeah. Now, it's a lot, I guess, with all my rambling, it's a lot more likely we'll see more stuff licensed and a lot less likely that it'll be dropped mm-hmm. unless it's just not working out at all. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I appreciate Kodansha picking up such, like, a variety of titles every once in a while. Like, it really, really does my heart good. Um, I just, I kind of wish, as much as I like Viz, as much as I, I like their product, I kind of wish they would follow suit at some point. Well, they have a few digital-only stuff, like that Children Nowadays series, so they might start moving in that direction more. I mean, Viz releases so much stuff as it is, though, so you that, can't that's true, by yeah. selection. They don't really drop much anymore, either. I mean, like yeah. we said before, they're releasing Hayate the Combat, but they're still... It might be two volumes a year, and it might take 15 more years for them to finish it, but they're still releasing it, so... That still surprises me. Like, I really just thought that... I thought Hayate was gone. It seemed like a series that it was really popular when the anime started. Then it kind of, like, when the anime ended, it kind of, like, quieted down a lot. So yeah. I just figured Viz jumped it because that's how Ueki was, too. Because I'm sure... Like, if Ueki never got an anime, we would have never seen the first manga, and they never brought over the second, but they brought over the first probably just because the anime, because that was the whole thing that surprised me, too, that Ueki's eye and anime even got licensed. The dub was horrible, but the <laughs> fact that they tried, <laughs> they tr- I that, that surprised me, because Ueki just seemed like the kind of thing that, you know, hey, we get maybe a... You know, well, there wasn't Crunchyroll back when it aired, but it seemed like the kind of thing that would just be lost to obscurity. So when Jenny on when Jenny on licensed it, I was just kind of like, really, you know. And while it was airing, 
<laughs> wow. So well, it wasn't a thing that they licensed it like years and years after it finished. It was like maybe like halfway through its runtime when they licensed it. So I'm pretty sure Viz just probably said, okay, well, Dueki Manga is 16 volumes. That's not going to kill us. And that's why they released it. So mm. I feel like nowadays we're going to probably see. I really just wish they'd get back on more and doing more Sunday stuff instead of just what's popular, <laughs> which would probably help if they did Kodansha's way, which is just to do more digital. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I agree with you. But yeah, Viz does release a lot of stuff and, and they're pretty good quality, I'd say. I mean, again, I'm buying their Hunter Hunter when I could easily, the volume that's coming out, I guess this week. I could easily buy the Japanese copy of that, but I like Viz's enough to not do that. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. but I, I guess just going off that same, you know, speaking of like pros and cons between digital and physical, somebody is uh, trying out. Well, I guess you know, say you're better at transitions. Why, why don't Why don't you just talk about our last news story? Yeah, so this is a weird transition into, I guess, our Sunday topic, but uh, Faku is looking to publish its titles at actual stores. You know, they went legit a couple years ago and started, you know, publishing hentai, you know, legally, digitally, but now they're looking to release, you know, the print stuff in actual, you know, retailers, you know, your Barnes & Nobles as you know, bookstores. So, you know, they're looking for a marketing sales coordinator to help communicate with, you know, both online and, you know, uh, brick and mortar stores. And so they're moving into that area. So, you know, maybe eventually you're going to be able to buy your hentai in stores from Fakus. That's uh, pretty good. I, if can't, you I really can't imagine seeing hentai at Barnes and Noble, at least, at least not available, like out in the open. I feel like they'd have to like, maybe make a separate section for that kind of thing if they really wanted to get into selling that kind of stuff. Explicit books are always wrapped up in, like, plastic packaging and stuff, so you can't, like, open the book in the store. Yeah, but that doesn't stop people from uh, unwrapping the book and looking at it, Sid. That doesn't stop everybody. I mean, you gotta buy the book if you do that, because you messed with it, so. <laughs> if you're doing that in the store, I kind of wonder what else you do with your hands. So... <laughs> I, mean, I was gonna say, Sid, I, I, be I beg to differ. I have, I have come across many volumes of Monster Musume that are just, like, unwrapped, and that, that was how I even got to take a peek at it in the first place. Well... Whatever. I'm just I'm just saying not, not not every not everybody follows society's rules, Sid. We're not we're not all good kids like you are. Okay. Well really <laughs> you know, some stores might have a different policy with stuff like Masumi too, but basically, you know, I am when I said Barnes and Nobles earlier, like I that was just kind of an example. Maybe they themselves wouldn't be picking this up. But basically what Faku is looking to do is looking to, you know, put print volumes of their titles in like bookstores into actual like retailers. So we'll see like how, what ends up coming of that. And maybe we'll eventually be able to buy your hentai at Barnes and Noble. I really do wanna see how this how this works out because like I can't really see a lot of brick and mortar stores be willing to to sell porn, at least not openly, you know, in their stores. But I could be totally off base saying that. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of feel like we're still kind of fighting that stigma that all anime and manga are porn. So, <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, and, 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 you know, there's also that thing where, like, you know, we're, we're all we're all too afraid of our own sexuality and all that kind of thing. So, you know, sex is bad and yeah, you shouldn't do that it. too. So, yeah, it's, it, it, I, I, well, I wouldn't buy my hentai from, I wouldn't buy hentai at all, because it just, 
to me is a. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I don't just, know either. I'm not gonna see. I, I don't. I'm not trying. Wow, I am really bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I just don't. Yeah, I, I, I can kind of see. I'm not gonna judge anybody because hey, like I wouldn't judge anyone, but like if it were me personally, I really wouldn't buy my porn openly. I would rather just buy that kind of thing online where nobody would have to know. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that. I I couldn't even really, I wouldn't even really want to keep porn anywhere. I mean, even if nobody, nobody knew I had it, you know, that whole Gintom episode with Shinpachi trying to hide Young Jump. <laughs> that's what comes to mind to me. Yeah. <laughs> and any time I invite anyone to my house, you know, I'd have to pause. Shit, where's my porn? <laughs> is it is it is it under my bed oh, actually no i'm sorry i'm sorry i know we were gonna hang out tonight but i gotta do something else under my breath hide my porn <laughs> so i'm gonna gonna have to reschedule with you and i just don't want that kind of life for myself <laughs> so, i mean like but i mean i i i i won't i mean it's cool that they're that they're trying to get it to brick and mortar to you know people who i have to say it it is interesting that you're trying to get that to to work out for them. Mm, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not like I'm not against it, but like I, I'm sure they have to be aware of like uh, probably some of the problems that are, they're probably going to be faced in trying to pursue this yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. Because like again, I'm not against it, but like there are challenges that exist uh, with the kind of things that they're trying to do here. Or yeah, like, whatever they're yeah, trying to accomplish, exactly. but. You know, like I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not against you know people selling their erotic comics or uh, or people buying that kind of thing. It's just I hope that they're able to deal with, uh, unfortunately, the stigma that comes with trying to sell and purchase these kinds of things openly, at least. But uh, unless we have anything else to say about any of our news pieces, I think we should just move on to our Shonen Sunday discussion. Yes, sounds good to me. All right, so Bomber, as I said at the top of the show, we wanted to have you on because you are a huge fan of the manga anthology known as Weekly Shonen Sunday. Correct. That would be me. Yeah. And we also wanted to kind of give you a chance to not only talk about Shonen Sunday just in general, but also maybe kind of give you an outlet other than your blog at wss.talkback.blogspot.com. I got the URL, right? Right? Yes. Okay, good, good. So I'm not sure where I really want to start. I guess we can just start with, you know, we we kind of mentioned it already, but you translate manga on the side. You know, it's it's something you like to do. Right, that's true. And uh, I know that there are at least one or two series that you translate from the Shonen Sunday Magazine uh, lineup. Would you like to talk about those a little bit just to kind of start things off? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I translate Psych Matashitemo, which is known as Psych Once Again. I, I don't know which one. I translate it Psych Once Again, but the person that does this, the scanlations goes with the Japanese title. So, yeah, I translate that, and I translate Ryoko, which is something that actually just started, and I actually had the page open. Let me see if I can find it again. Ryoko started in issue 47 of 2016. So give or take, that's about November, October. So that's the other series I do. And that one's by a new author. The um, Psych is done by Fukuchi Subasa, which is, he is one of my favorite mangaka of all time. And Ryoko is drawn by a newbie, who's, I would assume is about probably 25 now. Although... He won a contest for Sunday's Best Rookie at 23. 
and now the new series is, I guess, a continuation of that. Hmm, okay. I, the finding the one shot is really difficult because it's not in any kind of anthology. It's just like I they don't I don't know if they do like a yearbook of the winners or the runners up, like literally. So, but to even explain that, the rookies things jump does them too. Uh, it's just that that's not something usually people talk about all that much. But basically, they do have like the veteran manga could come and judge people's submission for manga, you know, from the new generation of mangaka have the old mangaka kind of look at their work and say, all right, Hey, this is pretty good. I think you just need to work on writing your story more or your art needs a little more touch up here and blah, blah, blah. And generally speaking, there are cash prizes for these things. And sometimes if the editors like you enough, they might bring you back on board and say, all right, we like your work. We'd like to serialize you. And that's really the ultimate goal. So th that's that's how that works. And I don't know who was the judge of Ryoko exactly, but I remember Aoyama was mentioning it once that because they have them in the magazines. Because the thing is with the magazine stuff is that people, when they do get scandalated or brought on the internet, whether it's officially or unofficially, most of the time people only really focus on the manga and not really the adverts. Yeah, which I try to do a little bit in the blog. I mean, of course, a lot of them are pretty cut and dry stuff that you'd see in any magazine anywhere. So I'm pretty sure they would be pretty boring to people that don't live in Japan. But <clears throat> when I do see something interesting, I do try to say, hey, this is a thing. I remember there was some romance comedy that Aoyama really liked, which I found interesting. <laughs> so and I don't remember the name, but he he was he made a comment about it, and they usually have it in a magazine where it's like, hey, if you want to enter, you could have Aoyama Goshio read your work. So you know, and that's usually how they sell it, and fabulous cash prizes, and <laughs> maybe even Takahashi Rumiko might read your manga. And they're trying to cultivate a lot of younger talent to come into the magazine because a lot of the, the people drawing and showing the Sunday they're not all old, but a lot of them have been around for a while. Mm -hmm. So. And that's kind of a thing because, like, actually, Sunday changed up editors recently. I let me see if I can find. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm on Japanese Wikipedia, just kind of scrolling through things. I can't read the first name for this guy, but his last name is Ichihara, and basically, he came into Sun Shonen Sunday, and you know, he looked around. And was like, all right, this ship is sinking, and I'm going to be the captain that saves all of you. So he's done a lot of things differently. Because what you guys may not know, we were talking about digital. And Jump has been available in digitally in Japan for a while. Same thing for Shonen Magazine or Kodansha. So Shuisha and Kodansha have been doing digital for a minute. Shogakukan was the only one not doing digital until probably about a year ago. Hmm. So for their magazines. They did manga digitally, but not the magazines. So that's the reason why I'm able to even actually do the blog now. Because before, I couldn't because I only had paper magazines. And yes, I used to get Shonen Sunday in the mail paper until they started doing digitally about a year ago. So Ichihara changed that. And he's also been systematically like wiping out stuff that doesn't sell immediately. So he's kind of turned Sunday into Jump. So, hmm. which is probably one of the reasons why Keijo is just now getting canceled. Because I guess Ichihara is like, yeah, you need to go. So Ichihara basically is running the ship with an iron fist. And... It seems to be working to an extent because there are more popular series now than in past years. You know, I mean, under his watch, well, no, slightly before him. But we had Dagashikashi by Kotoyama, which had a anime, 
I, which I think Funimation licensed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that was the kind of a surprise hit that started in 2014. Unfortunately, the Japanese Wikipedia page I'm looking at doesn't have months or year. Well, they just have the year and the issue number, so I don't know when. But if I'm to take a stab of 30, the 30th week of the year, so we're probably looking at maybe... July, probably? Yeah, something around there. So, Daga Sakashi is... And actually, let me pull up the blog, because then I can look at the sales, too. But I'm not going to go too much into that. But yeah, Daga Sakashi is one of the more popular series in the, in the magazine. Hmm, okay. Along with, and what a lot of people would figure is because Conan's so prominent that it sells really, really, it's like the top seller, but it actually isn't. Mm -hmm. Oh. It is actually Silver Spoon. Yeah, it sounds hmm. like double of Conan, doesn't it? Yeah, Silver Spoon sells double of Conan, and I think Magi is on par with it. Like, Magi's like on the precipice of selling more, almost. Conan's just the most recognized manga in this magazine yeah ba yeah basically for for those who are listening and may not know yeah uh shonen sunday is basically that magazine that runs detective conan slash case close so there's that yeah yeah it's basically takahashi aoyama um fujita and nishimori's playground well also adachi right mr adachi and adachi yes yes how could i forget <laughs> well he's not running anything he actually has a manga that's been on hiatus for like a couple of years yeah yeah, the something over the fence series. Yes, over, yes, over fence. Yes, that's been. It's actually listed on Japanese Wikipedia as in the magazine, but just on hiatus. Yeah. Mm, okay. Or actually, no, they took it down. And then he's running mix in a different magazine, right? He's running mix in Gesson. Yeah, that's what I thought. So Gesson is like the monthly. So. You have monthly Shonen Magazine and weekly Shonen Magazine. You've got Jump Square and weekly Shonen Jump, and then you got Guess On and weekly Shonen Sunday. <laughs> Though there's also Sunday Super, but Sunday Super is kind of like the tie-in magazine that just runs like, you know, it has a couple of manga in it, but it mainly just runs stuff that's like currently being animated. Like they run like the movie adaption, I mean the manga adaption of Conan movies, hmm, essentially, and they have a few other manga, so... Shonen Sunday Super isn't really like I. It is a magazine, but it isn't. And wow, yeah, Overfence isn't here anymore. Huh. Hmm. I guess I don't know. I guess maybe Adachi might have said, "I'm never going to do that." So, huh. oh, wow. Because no, because it's 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 interesting because Kaito Kid is still here, or Magic Kaito, I should say. Magic Kaito's still here, just on hiatus. Yeah. So I guess, uh, the, I guess Ayama comes back and does that every now and again, right? Yeah. He actually he really didn't he brought it back for like three chapters like the yeah he brought it back when they're gonna make the kaito kid anime yeah. so basically it was just a tie-in for that and then it went back to hiatus again but it's, so yeah it's not technically he hasn't he doesn't technically consider it done exactly but Overfence, yeah is not here anymore which is interesting but anyway <laughs> um but I guess I'll go back to what I what the original question was which is the two series I translate so Fukuchi is like my hero, I guess, sort of. I, yeah, Fukuchi, I, I think, I, I mean, you'd probably know better than I would, because I've only ever read one work by Fukuchi, but I'm going to assume that The Law of Ueki is probably his most prominent work? Yes, that would be correct, because, I mean, it got an anime, so that alone, that's what people mainly know him for. And it's really interesting, mm -hmm. because Ueki got an anime, like, maybe a few months after it ended? So it wasn't like a thing oh, where interesting. Yeah, it was completely finished when it got its anime. So mm. that was wow. so Fukuchi, like my history with him is just 
I mean, I remember Ruecki ran, that was back in the day, and I'm dating myself here, but back in the day when we didn't have Crunchyroll and we had to wait for unofficial subbers to do it. So I pretty much was following Ueki and that was like my first Japanese manga purchase because I really wanted to know what was going to happen and I couldn't read I mean I could read Japanese a little better than I could understand it like spoken and getting raws and I had crappy internet so I couldn't download raws so I bought like the rest of the series and then yeah Fukushi's done Ueki Ueki Plus Takaku Anagle Mole and now Psych so he's done five series and pretty much back to back to back <laughs> so okay. uh well well go ahead go ahead well, i was gonna say i guess if you could just tell us real briefly about what psych is actually yes. about okay so that's actually in the blog a little bit too i'm actually going through psych because it's actually on chapter i guess 70 and speaking of which uh psych will be back not this week but next week in the magazine before I say what it's Psych's about, Psych has a really interesting serialization model, which I mentioned earlier, and this goes back to Fukushi's history. So with Ueki Plus, it started after Ueki ended, maybe two or three issues after Ueki ended, he started Ueki Plus. But then on around chapter 20, it went on hiatus for like two years almost, or a year and a half, something like that. Hmm. And then it came back and then immediately ended. Pretty, It basically came back to end. And then Takaku ran in the monthly – when they tried to rebrand Super Shonen Sunday, they tried to rebrand it as a regular manga magazine instead of a tie-in one, but it didn't last long. And so Fukuchi was one of the authors who drew Takaku in there, which is – and that went and then finished. And then he came back to Weekly Sunday with a Nagel Mole, but then at around Chapter 33, that went on hiatus for like a year and a half and then came back just to end. So it's just Fukuchi's had a pretty crappy time with stuff. And then he came back with Psych. And Psych is his newest series, which is about well, Psych is basically a middle school kid who's pretty disillusioned with his life. I mean, it's pretty straightforward manga shonen trope, you know. He's like, oh my you know, I don't like interacting with people. It's pointless, blah blah blah, you know, and he's going through his day, you know. His first chapter is basically he goes to his teacher and his teacher's like, So Psych, what do you want to do with your life? Eh. Life's kind of pointless, so I didn't think about it. And he's got, and then he meets up with his childhood friend, you know, this girl, Karatachi Mikan, and she wants to be an art, I think, teacher. I can't remember, but basically, she wants to do art. And she's like, if Psych is, you know, depressing emo, she's like Sunshine and Bunnies. And they, you know, they go to like this lake or whatever, and, you know, Mikan's like, hey, Psych, you know, I know you're a good guy. You know, you're not all emo. So you just need to find a thing that, you know, you want to do. And then immediately after that, she dies, gets hit by a truck. Oh, wow. And then, you know, Psych is like really bummed about this. He's like, well, shit, she didn't deserve to die. You know, a useless guy like me deserved to die. So and, you know, he's at a lake kind of mourning her death and he falls in and then he thinks he's dead. And then he's thinking to himself, well, I shouldn't have wasted my life. And he wakes up the next day and it's seven o'clock of the day before. Because the first thing he does is he wakes up, he calls Mikan, he's like, you know, she's like, I'm fine. What are you, what, what are you all, what are you freaking out about? I'm perfectly fine. So basically, time rewinds for him. He, exactly. That's why it's called Psych once again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he he get he wakes up and then you know he calls her and so he just figures, hey, this is just a dream. So he goes through his day and everything, but then he realizes everything that happened the day before is happening again. So then he realizes, wait, I've I've repeated the day. 
So essentially, the first volume is about Psyche trying to save Mikon from dying, but each time he tries to, he's unable to, for hmm. whatever reason, until it, until the end of the volume where he finally is just kind of like maybe he he decides to pull a Full Metal Alchemist and is like a life is requires a life. So he figures if he takes if he shoves her out of the way of the truck and dies instead, then she'll be saved. Because he figures, hey, my life is worthless anyway. Might as well do something good with it by saving her. But the thing that makes the first volume interesting, in my opinion, is the fact that we kind of get to see him go from being this kind of introverted, kind of I don't care about anything, to being kind of like actually do care about things. Because Psych basically, he's this kind of guy that doesn't want to get involved with anything. And I like the way Fukuchi does it because it's like I think chapter two, the first volume – like, he talks to Mikan, and basically he makes up this excuse, like, oh, I can't go to the pond today or whatever, so, you know, and he figures she'll just go home. He won't, then she won't go, and that'll save his <laughs> life. And then we get to kind of see it from his point of view as he's walking home. It's like this kid is being bullied by these guys for his manga or whatever, and, you know, Psych is like, you know, he basically turns the other way and keeps walking. But deep down, he's feeling guilty, like, I could have done something, you know, but I don't want to get involved in people's lives or whatever, and when he finally resolves himself to say, you know, I guess I have to die to save Mekon, and on the, I guess, I don't know what loop it is by that time, he goes back and he actually saves this kid, and he helps him out. He gets his ass whooped, because, I mean, it's like some middle schooler with no real training and fighting, so he gets his ass beaten, but he helped the kid out, and then the kid gives him, like, this keychain, and, you know, it seems all innocuous, and I, what I love about that is that Fukuchi does this thing where it's all... It seems very like, oh, like none of this stuff matters really. But then at the end, when Sykes shaves Mikan out of the way and saves her from the truck, the truck driver's like lights reflect off the keychain. And I guess he's either buzzed or sleepy. I don't know. But then he sees like the light flashes in his eyes. He's like, he's like, holy shit. And he like pulls the car off the road and they both saved because Sykes went back and saved his kid that he originally didn't. Oh, wow. I really do like how things all come together Yeah, I, like I really that. liked how the first volume ended, like, just with that whole mm -hmm. thing. Like, because Sykes finally got out of his shell and got involved in somebody else's life and made their life better, and in the end it saved his life and Mikan's life. And then the whole, we find out the whole reason why Mikan, because every, because up until then, he's, everything he's tried to do to convince this girl to not go to the lake, she goes anyway. So we find out the end of the volume, which the reason why she wanted to go there so bad is because they buried the time capsule 10 years ago when they were little kids. And they were like, 10 years from now, if we're still friends, you know, let's go dig it up. And that's why she wanted to go so bad. So when they opened up the time capsule, we found out that Psych wrote when he was maybe like five or six, I want to be a hero. And so wow. by the end of the first volume, Psyche is like, okay, this was me. And now I've got a power to do just that, to save people. And then at the very end of the first volume. And then what, like I said, what I really love about Fukuchi is just like the little things he does. Because like in chapter two, there's like when Psyche walks by this one guy, this one guy gives him a look. Like, okay, he's interested in him, but then we never see him again for the rest of the volume. Just like, okay, what was the deal with this one panel with this guy looking at him? But in the end of volume one... He's like, hey, you want to play a game? Oh, okay then. <laughs> so, oh, what a, what a then cliffhanger. Find, then that's how volume one ends. And then, but then it does go back. Fukuchi's whole not name to fame is that, and another thing about him is he's a huge JoJo fan. Like a huge, huge JoJo fan. Even though he works in a different magazine from Iraqi completely. A different publisher even. <laughs> but he's a huge, huge JoJo fan. So like, 
if you read Fukuchi's series, which I've have translated in Nagel Mole, so that's actually available unofficially, I guess, if somebody wanted to read that. But if you read the series, they have this very JoJo-esque kind of, you know, rather than punching your way to a solution, you have to think your way through it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so, and then that's, the rest of Psych is volume two into currently is kind of more about now Psych meets other people with powers and how he interacts with them. So That's pretty cool. It's like, I guess to use a popular example of another time travel story from recent years, it's kind of like ReZero without the fantasy element, and you have uh, JoJo mixed in yeah. with it too. Kind of like, yeah. Because yeah, that cool. was one reason why I, I still haven't watched ReZero, but that was one reason why I wanted to, because I read some, I read about the plot, and I was like, this is very similar to Psych, just, you know, it's more, I guess Psych is obviously more of a shonen take on it. Well, I think you'd enjoy it, because... There are some similarities in Psych and Subaru's, like, development and how they, like, you know, grow to become, like, uh, better people. Although Subaru starts out as, like, a where like, the polar opposite is, like, really, like, he's this really, like, hyperactive, outgoing okay. person. But he's doing that to mask deeper insecurities and self-loading yeah. inside okay. of himself. Yeah, and so. it's just, Psych is more just prone to be... You know, just kind of like, ah, I don't care about anything. I mean, the reason why I even bring up JoJo is, like, the most recent arc of Psych, actually, they went to Nepal in a very Stardust Crusaders kind of thing. So, <laughs> and it was it was somewhat similar to Stardust Crusaders, where they're, like, traveling around Nepal to save Psych's life because, well, I don't want to spoil too much. But basically, yeah, they're in Nepal because Psych needs, like, something. There's somebody there that can help him. Or should I say it? <laughs> well, well, here I want to I want to interrupt you just so we can kind of get to some other stuff here. I wanted to talk yeah, about sure, sure, so because sure. I well, you also mentioned that you you translate Ryoko, and I was hoping maybe you could uh, briefly talk about that as well. Yes. Okay. So Ryoko is a kind of short synopsis. It's kind of like if you've seen Kill a Kill, it's kind of like Kill a Kill meets Toriko. So yeah, I, I I've noticed in like a lot of some of the art I've seen from from the manga that the main character even has like a scissor blade or or whatnot. Yeah, she she uses a regular sword, but yeah, she has like this. Yeah, that that's how I usually when when people ask me what Ryoko's about, that's what I start with. It's just imagine Toriko meets Kill the Kill. So basically, <laughs> um, Ryoko is about this girl Ryoko, the main character. She she lives in a world a post, and I'm gonna probably fuck up this word because I always fuck up this word. Apocalyptic. Yes, <laughs> she lives in a post-apocalyptic world. There you go. Where food. Where food, I feel so good about myself. But yeah, where food is now <laughs> sentient. sentient. <laughs> and basically, the Japanese government was tr experimenting on food so they could become self-sufficient and make their own food and everything. And things didn't work out so well. And the food became sentient. And there's Ryoko who basically hunts food in the sense of not just, you know, food in the sense of wild animals but wild carrots wild onions and they're all mutants and stuff like that that actually does sound pretty cool so she's basically only armed with a sword and some other things her dad makes for her and stuff and basically she hunts food and cooks for her family so is is it like Toriko in the sense of like I guess does does Ryoko kind of dabble in kind of the same themes of Toriko where like Toriko was kind of all about spending time together with your loved ones and the e eating with your loved ones and kind of sharing that experience of having a meal with other people 
Does does Ryoko kind of dabble in those same kind of themes at all, or is it a little? I mean, different? again, I'm probably the worst person to comment on the West. The point in the series where Ryoko is like, she has her master who taught her how to hunt, and you know, he mentions. I think it's probably really early on, chapter two or three. And he's kind of like, hey, you know, there's a safe zone where you can you and your family could go. There's a chance you probably would be separated, but you guys would be safe. You know, the whole chapter is basically Ryoko being like, do I want to do this? We could be safe if I go. But then she decides, no, I've been taught to hunt and I want to cook for my family like my mom did. And it's on chapter one. Chapter one, I feel like chapter one is the one shot that Mitsuhashi Kaito, the award, because it, it kind of is paced a bit differently than the rest of the series. Okay. But the, the he does a good job of connecting it to it feels like chapter one feels like a self-contained work. And then chapter two just sort of refers to it once in a while, but it feels like its own thing. So I kind of feel like a little bit that was what he entered to win, and they just reran it with better art, maybe. Okay. So basically, Ryoko's it's it, it, Ryoko's mom was like killed, so she's kind of taken over as the matriarch of the family, where she cooks for her little brother and her dad. So there, it, there is a bit of that. They decide to stay in this place that's dangerous because it's like. That she wants to protect her family and cook for them and everything like that. I mean, what I guess kind of makes Ryoko stand out for me is the main character herself, which is like, you know, you would think that she'd be like really kind of badass and kind of just a normal girl. Like, she, yeah, yeah, she can slice down like a carrot monster like no one's business, but she's really very normal. Because I remember there was a conversation with her and her master at the end of the – when the master said, okay – you know, he fought the test was, you know, if you're going to stay here, fight me and win. And he does. And she does. And he's like leaving. And then she's kind of like, you know, she's basically saying to him, I want to stay here and do what my and provide for my family like my mom did. You know, he's like, OK, that's cool. You know, you're strong enough to do that. And then I forgot exactly what he says, but basically he's kind of like, if you want a boyfriend, you better be able to cook well for him, too. He's just like, no, he'll be like a prince that'll come on a white horse or whatever. It's just, it's just, she's just so innocent about it. And it's just like, the master's like, why are you making it sound like your boyfriend's gonna be Santa Claus? (laughs) So, (laughs) So, and I just like, I just like that about her. And then like later in the series where it's kind of like assume that they're the only people left in Japan. Hmm. But then later we find out that there are actually other kids that survived and they're still there. And like Ryoko meets up, they're like a gang of boys hmm, okay. and they're just kind of like, they have their own place and they're just, they have their like hideout and Ryoko accidentally runs on, runs any, another series where she would probably be all stoic, like, oh boys, whatever. But she's kind of, she's thinking to herself, like, this is the first time I've talked to boys. And like, when she has to bring one of them home, she's like, a boy's never been in our house before. So it's like, I like the way that her character is done. And then like at one point where she's at the ruins of the school it's like this really kind of sad, kind of sad, bittersweet moment where she's looking at a desk where when she was a kid, she had she hit a manga that she was reading during class. And then, you know, she found it in the ruins of the school. She's kind of flipping through it. And then she thinks to herself, you know, too bad I'll never know how it ended. And it's just like this whole thing. And then she's just thinking like and she wears her. I mean, and it looks like it's like fan service, like with the fact that she wears like just a Sailor Fuku. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could look at it like, OK, it's just, you know, the author trying to play up a little bit of fan service. But it's explained in series that she never got to wear one Oh, okay. because when she was when you're in middle school, well, when you're younger, when you're a younger kid in Japan, you wear, you know, normal clothes to school. You don't get the uniform until like middle school, high school. So it's implied that before she could even get to middle school or high school, that that's when Japan got ruined 
So she wears the sailor outfit because she never got to wear one to school. Hmm. So I just kind of like the sentiment that Mitsuhai Shikaito does with the series that like it, it makes it stand out on its own because it could really just be a hack and slash monster series. But instead, it's kind of this thing where it's like there actually is kind of a bit of heart to it because of the way, you know, Ryoko's personality is. I mean, most recently we found another person, another human has been found and it's implied that something happened like before Japan was going to be destroyed. She was on death row. So, wow. again, it, it, I, I really find I mostly picked it up because of the art, because I'm really being into like non-traditional art, because if you look at Ryoko, it doesn't look like your normal run of the mill anime manga. Yeah. And I mean, or manga, I should say it has a very kind of loose. I mean, it, it, it reminds me of Kimetsu no Yaiba, but it's still it's a little cleaner than that. So I, I, I just like really kind of unusual art. Especially in shonen manga, because like shonen yeah. manga, I feel like can get to be really kind of cookie clutter, where everything looks cookie, you know, cookie mm -hmm. cutter, where everything looks the same. Yeah, everything looks the same. Like shonen manga kind of has that, like that typical. If you read enough shonen manga, like you could tell that there are a lot of titles out there that kind of look similar to each other. It feels like there's like a style. There's mm -hmm. like a pretty like yeah. It's not even really that as much as it is too. It's just like it's very clean. There's this like predisposition where the art has to be really clean and pretty looking. And I'm like, that's fine. It's good to be professional. It's good to make it look professional and clean and pretty looking. But then I feel like it loses a lot in that process. Mm -hmm. I kind of like stuff like that that is kind of raw and kind of where you can see like the new artists are really not. They're really just kind of getting into learning how to draw and draw, learning how to do a serialization. Yeah. Like even, you know, like even One Piece now, it's not to say that it's not good looking or it's not unique but now that oda's been drawing it for so long it's kind of like it's uniform now i guess is what i'm saying mm -hmm. so that's why i picked up ryoko because it appealed to me and again i'm lazy because so and there's not much text so that <laughs> that's that's also another thing i look forward to but yeah those are the two i work on in shonen sunday at the moment i kind of want to talk a little bit more about the lineup because we mentioned that you know, Detective Conan, or Case Closed, runs in this magazine, and I think it's safe to say that's, like, the flagship title of the magazine, if you... Oh, like, for sure. Yeah, essentially. And then, you know, we also mentioned Silver Spoon from uh, Hiro Arakawa of uh, Fullmetal Alchemist fame. That does very well, unfortunately. I, I think it's still on hiatus at this point. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's almost... When it comes back, it'll probably be its final stretch of chapters, because yeah. it's close to I'm, I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping to read that again once it's come back, because I, I honestly haven't read it in a while because of the hiatuses. But and we also mentioned Magi. I feel like those are some of the series that are running currently that people have definitely heard of. I guess... I guess Keijo nowadays, but we were also kind of talking about how that's probably going to be ending soon. And then uh, Hayate the Combat Butler, Denpa Kyoshi... All of these have had anime, and I'm pretty sure all of them have been like licensed for streaming or whatnot. But uh, I guess are are there any other? You forgot, Renee. Renee. I'm sorry. I'm not a I'm not a Takahashi person. I go Takahashi. <laughs> this is this is why Sid is here because Sid is the Takahashi person, and I have yeah. Everyone forgets <laughs> Renee. Uh, yeah, I mean that that is an anime, and that's streaming on um, on Crunchyroll, I believe. I'm pretty and it's sure it's coming back in April. You know, anime wise. Yeah, anime-wise, you could argue that's the most 
uh, besides Conan, that's the most successful of the current lineup because it's actually getting a third season. Which is interesting because the, sh- the channel it runs on normally only does two seasons for stuff, so... Hmm, okay. I guess the ratings are good enough for Renee? I kind of just feel like it's Takahashi, so they just feel like it's Takahashi, and they're just probably like, fuck it. <laughs> but, <laughs> they're just like... Maybe. I think they're probably, I mean, it's probably getting good enough ratings to warrant it. I feel like That's the ratings why. are good, too, because NHK, generally speaking with NHK, it's like, most stuff gets 25 episodes, hmm. and then you usually get another 25, mm-hmm. and that's it. But then they're bringing uh, Renee back for a third season. So I, I feel like they're breaking that rule because it's Takahashi and because its ratings are pretty okay. Mm. But yeah, um, other stuff that runs in the magazine. So again, I mentioned Dagashi Kashi. Yep. That's pretty popular. It got an anime. And it, some of the stuff has got this weird thing in the West where like the anime do really well, but we never get the manga or the manga don't. Because like, history's greatest... Disciple Kenichi. That, the animated that was brought over here. Did that run in Shonen Sunday? It did. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, that was... I know that Kenichi has some kind of fandom, but I mean, like, I apparently it didn't have enough of a fandom to warrant the manga ever being brought over over here, unfortunately. To be fair, the manga's also really long. That's fair, too. I know the anime for that did get licensed by Funimation. It did. And yeah, yeah, that's that was a surprise to me. And the funny thing is, it was also drawn by the anime was drawn by the Conan people. Oh, okay. So yeah, Tokyo Movie Shinsha, Shinsha, yeah. So they drew that, and then Kanichi was actually brought back for a couple of OVAs by Brainspace, who draws Rene. Hmm. Okay. So that it's like a whole thing where they're all connected like that. But yeah, Kenichi and actually Matsuina Shun is doing a series in Sunday now called Tokiwa Kitari. So, and that almost started, and what was interesting about that is that almost started immediately after Kenichi. Hmm. So. Is that a, is that a series that you read in the lineup at all? Cause I'm, I, I feel like you covered that on the blog, but I, I'm not sure if I remember. So, so, I mean, just to kind of talk about the blog a little bit before I go back to the lineup, I try to switch in and out what I cover each week. Okay. So I'm not just talking about, I mean, there are a couple of things I read and I cover those every week, but I try to switch in stuff I don't read just so I'm covering everything. Basically, I go by, is there anything interesting happening in this chapter? Is the art interesting? And basically, is there anything to talk about? Okay. And Tokiwa is not one of the ones I read, but I have covered it once in a while. I mean, apparently it's popular enough because it got an animated commercial. Oh, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, Shonen Sunday does this thing where they where they actually give animated commercials to things if they're doing okay enough. Like Ueki had one, and actually Ueki had one before it's anime. Hmm. Same with Renee. And, Renee and Denpo Kyoshi did. Hmm. And a lot of times what happens is during these commercials, they'll have a completely different vocal staff than when the anime comes out. Like Ueki was voiced actually voiced by Goku for the commercial. Masako Nozawa, huh? Yeah, she voiced Ueki. That's really interesting. <laughs> but then when the anime came out, it was Romi Paku, so... Hmm. So, wow. that's a thing. And then I think... I for, Rinko was voiced by the same lady who did um, Sonoko and Detective Conan for the commercial. Hmm. And then when the anime came out, she was voiced by Pandemonium. So, <laughs> so it's it's interesting. They haven't done them much in recent years for whatever reason. Like Ryoko got one, but it wasn't really animated. It was more just a bunch of manga panels and cool music. But lately, they haven't done that as much, and I'm I guess maybe they're moving away from that. But yes, going back to the lineup. Uh, yeah, Tokiwa. I've I've read some of it. 
but the art, the story's really a mess. And Do you know enough about it to maybe tell us what it's about? Because I'd actually be kind of interested. I know a little bit of the circumstances surrounding the series, which is it right after Kenichi ended, Matsuya Shud did three one shots, each about different characters. Okay, and then they ended up all being the main characters of Tokiwa. Hmm. So I tried reading about the plot on Wikipedia, and the the series kind of lost me, or it had me, I don't really know, at the point where, <laughs> it, where it said uh, a normal high school boy becomes friends with a, a highly advanced android called Deus Ex Machina the Third. Yeah, that, that, that's about it. <laughs> I mean, essentially, yeah, it's Tokiwa's, like, um, I guess a writer? I've only really, I haven't really, I've only following it in and out, but he ends up becoming friends with this girl that's like a sorceress. Hmm, okay. And then three one shots, one about the ninja guy called Kanata, then one about the sorcerer dude named Haruka, and then Tokiwa, and one shot about him. And basically, it's like magic meets technology meets, you know, this writer kid. Although lately, I guess he's become part cyborg because, like, there was an accident where he lost, like, his body. Hmm. That's <laughs> so I remember reading that. So, yeah, it looks like from what I'm looking up, it looks like it's this person's doing another action series, except I don't think Kenichi had, at least from what I read of it, it was more martial arts based this seems like it dabbles more into like science fiction and fantasy yeah yeah it's it's kind of like a sci-fi kind of action-y series while kenichi was more grounded in martial arts i mean they're both real unrealistic but yeah <laughs> they're they you know kenichi at least kind of grounded itself with realistic martial arts to an extent but, yeah to an extent yeah i mean unfortunately i just don't like matsuina's mm, art it's kind of I'm fine with TNA, but guy revels in excess. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah from the, what you had shown on the blog, it really turned me off. Like, yeah. one image you showed where, like, a girl was twisting in a way where you saw the breasts and the butt at the, like, same <laughs> time. It's like, what? Yeah. No, you're yeah, trying that, to that's, argue. This looks like the fairy tale equivalent to Shonen Sunday in, in where, well, I mean. Yeah, yeah that's not a unfair assessment yeah. it's, not, yeah. it's, like, it's not an unfair assessment yeah. at all fairy tale i was gonna fairy say fairy tales fairy tales of you know fan service while i'm not a fan of it i mean at least kenichi's fan service from what i have seen looked very ridiculous just like yeah. i don't i don't know what this guy's on so you know has really good art like what he does with spreads and character designs that aren't women are uh, they're, they're pretty good. I like his character designs for the dudes, like because they 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 look all really badass and everything like that. Yeah, they did a crossover with Kenichi where Hayato Frinzen Khan. What I, I I'm pretty sure I fucked up his name, but the uh, Muse grandfather from Kenichi, he like I guess he appeared as a summon hmm. from one of the sorcerer characters. Okay. So, I mean, from the Rio Zanpaku, and that was pretty cool. That I mean, when I was flipping through the Sunday, because generally when I get the magazine, I get it from Amazon Japan, and, you know, then it pings me on my phone when it's delivered. So I just flipped through it before I do the entry later on that night, and I saw him, and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so that was why I decided to cover it for that week. But yeah, it's Matsuina, it's just, it's one thing to be fan service, and that's fine. But he just likes to do Rebels in excess, and it's, it's a bit just much. not my thing. It, it's really a bit much. 
So, what else is in the... I think we might have mentioned it, but um, Ushior and Tora also ran in Shonen Sunday, am I right? Yes, it did. And the nine, that was yeah. kind of a big series. And it was weird that it never, it got like an OVA, but it didn't get an anime until recently, I guess. JoJo's kind of ushered in this phase where they're animating shit from the 90s. Good, and 80s. I hope it keeps up. <laughs> so that that's a thing. But yeah, actually, Fujita Kazuhiro, he's done quite a few series in Sunday. Ushio Totoro is the only one that people know about because. That was his first, and it was the yeah. one that got anime. Yeah, the OVAs came out over here in the yeah. 90s, too. So people knew yeah, from those. So that, that was a thing that he's done. He's done Karakuri Circus. Karakuri Circus is another one, because I know many people, when I talk, when I ask about Fujita, they recommend that, like, right away. Like, if they don't save Ushio Totora, it's that series. So I believe that that's probably all scandalated, but... I'm not sure. I don't think they're finished scanlating it, but uh, he's also he also did yes, Gecko Jore, which was his series he did before his current one. He actually did a seinen manga, but I forgot the name of it. And let me look it up now. Black Museum, the series that yeah, that's the series that Kadansha is uh, putting out now. Actually, they just finished putting out. It was a two volume series, and uh, that's a really cool story as yeah. well. And, and he was also, I don't know if you were aware of this series, because Viz actually brought it out, but he was actually the guy that came up with the monsters designs for Byaki Gyamon. Hmm. It was like a really short hmm. kids kind of monster battle series. It had an anime back in the, actually the anime came on, it took Ueki's time slot, I believe, after it finished. But he was, he was the guy that drew the monsters for that series. And then there was a manga drawn by somebody else. Hmm. Any chance you, off the top of your head, know? Because I'm sure there's probably a localized title for that. You what, what, that title you were just talking no, about? No, it's 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 Gyamon. Oh, is it? Hmm. Yeah, it's Byaku Gyamon, and Viz brought it over and everything. They brought it over a title as that. Yeah, they brought it over okay. a title as that. I was gonna say because like I don't recognize that at all. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was an attempt to. Um... Oh, and then, wow, I didn't realize that because I hadn't read Ushio Totoro, but apparently there are a lot of monsters from Ushio Totoro in the series. Okay. <laughs> so, huh. I watched the anime. Of course, it was never subbed because it's a kid's anime, so... And that was back when I really didn't understand Japanese, so I had no idea what was going on. But yeah, it was brought over by Viz, and I guess it was an attempt to see to test the waters to see if they should bring it over the anime. Hmm. But I guess it didn't do too well, so... Apparently not, because I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, it... it... <laughs> and, the, and the funny thing is, the author of Byakugyaman actually drew a Pokemon Shonen manga for Shonen Sunday, Pokemon Rebirth. So he drew a he drew that too. But I I bring up Fujita because he does have a work currently in uh, Shonen yes. Sunday, which is probably the work that I'm like the most interested in reading. Yes, uh, Sobote Kuwashibeshi, or just Sobote, which is about a demon house that eats people. So basically, the manga equivalent to Monster House. Basically, but Shonen Sunday calls it a spectacle more modern horror manga, huh. which figure out what that means, I don't know. <laughs> but but that's what they that's how they that's how they brand it. So and it is, I guess, yeah, modern horror. I don't know what kind of because I'm on Japanese Wikipedia and I don't know what kind of what genre that is, modern horror. Hmm. What's the difference between modern horror and 
past horror. But anyway, <laughs> it's basically a um house that eats people. Really, I'll admit I wasn't paying it back when I was, you know, an un- un- intellectual. I wasn't paying attention to the series. Uh, unenlightened. So unenlightened, unintellectual, not smart, a dummy, <laughs> whatever word you want to use. I wasn't really looking at the series because I was getting paper Sunday when it started, but I wasn't really looking at it. But I don't know. And then when I started doing the blog properly, which I guess actually I guess you'll probably ask me later how that came about. But anyway, when I started doing the blog properly, I started reading it at like chapter twenty something. <laughs> so then it actually was kind of cool. I mean, I saw the art and I liked the art, but it wasn't enough for me to read it because Fujita's art is just fucking insane. Like he's got this. It looks so. Mm-hmm. It looks so not typical of it's it's got like it's like it's got this throwback art to like the 80s you know ushio totoro i believe ran in the 90s so yeah it's it's like he still thinks he's in the 80s kind of like basically no okay yeah ushio totoro ran from (laughs) 90 to 96 so yeah he he, but it's like he never left that point he just stayed there Uh, which i appreciate yeah i mean when you look at the whole magazine sunday's lineup besides conan i mean you got takahashi and Aoyama, who both also never really left the 80s. And then you got him, too, and it's just like, his art is just amazing to look at. So I started reading it, and basically, from what I understand, his dad was eaten by the house, and, you know, he wants revenge. And also, the American government wants a piece of this house, the Japanese government wants a piece of this house. And then we got this kid from the 70s who, I guess, we've learned that aliens are involved somehow, so there's this kid from hmm. the 70s where, you know, his he was basically his people were all like destroyed by these aliens. And he came from the 70s and is here to destroy this house. And he's been given powers to be able to manipulate his body and turn it into blades and stuff. And the main main character, which is Takuha, Takuha Sutomu, he's actually the kid from the 70s. I guess he's like related to him in some way. So like... Uh, he lives near the house, and he's friends with Rokuro, and apparently Rokuro's sister is also like a Miko, or a priestess, who's also been sent to kind of like dispatch the house too. So like, it's basically all of these people are, are coming together to destroy this evil-ass house. That's awesome. Time travels, aliens, espers, and a haunted house. Why is this not licensed already? I, I don't know! <laughs> and, and, and it makes me feel bad because Sid's mentioned a few times, could you please translate this? And you mentioned it a few <laughs> yeah. times too, Colton. Please translate this. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to. I mean, I'm thinking about it. Or at least I want to win it to blog. I kind of want to do a thing where I cover it like I'm doing Psych now. Where I at least talk about what's going on. Maybe once Gintama's over, I might try. Because, I mean, I guess, you know, full disclosure, I'm revealing this on the show for the first time in public. But I'm done with weekly manga <laughs> once Gintama's over. I'm not translating weekly manga anymore. Like, at the most, I'm probably going to translate things by book, by volume release. Basically, you just mean you're not going to translate things weekly. Because no. I, I was going to say, you're still, I mean, I guess Sykes not really technically weekly because that that's got its own schedule and then but ryoko still yeah we i'm probably gonna keep up ryoko for a while but like the pain of doing things weekly i don't want to do that anymore so tell that to sirachi and all the other weekly authors uh (laughs) okay fine you win tell that to the shonen jump staff Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll leave that to Viz. I mean, but hey, hey, the difference between them and me is they get paid. 
That's true. <laughs> so you 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 do it out of crazy, insane passion. Yeah, exactly, I guess. but that's not enough. And I'm getting older. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I would like. To, I really would like to work with Sobote because now I'm interested. Like, I mean, on the blog, I was just going to cover it like one week, but now it's become a weekly staple. <laughs> so, like at this point, I'm basically translating it anyway. <laughs> so I, I might as well. But yeah, it's like I really want to cover it like at some point because Fujita the art like I said is insane just looking at it and then just the story I want to really get deeper into the story and figure out what's kind of going on because like I just what what I know I mean from the most recent chapter that ran in Sunday like now I mean there was a long flashback explaining how Seiichi the kid from the 70s how he came to be and why you know he hates the house so much so that was explained for a couple of weeks. Now we're out of the flashback. We're into present. We're like, you know, Rokuro's sister, the Miko, she and some American scientist dude that has the power over nature and like some girl and then Takoha, who's, I guess, has no powers. Like, apparently there are people living in this house. So, you know, they're badass. They live in a house that eats people. <laughs> And they're just there. And I guess they're the villains of this arc. Because, like, one dude's, like, a painter. And then one guy's, like, I guess, I don't know what his power was. But he's he he, he apparently died. <laughs> so, at the end of the, the most recent chapter. And then, like, there's this old couple where, like, the old lady's in a wheelchair. And she's, like, a pyromaniac. So, it's, mm. like, it, it's just a lot of things going on. And I, and I do want to sit down with the series and just, like, I need to... I'm thinking of buying the first volume and just... Maybe just talking about it on Twitter or on the blog, just because you guys are so you got me at this point where I'm just like, you guys keep asking me about it, and I'm like, I like it too, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I really want to talk about it. So maybe that's something I'm going to do at some point. You'd be doing God's work, B. Yeah, I I really want to do God's work. I mean, for all the times <laughs> I've sinned. Yeah, I mean, I. I have to admit, like, out of everything in the lineup that I've seen you talk about on your blog, this is honestly the most interesting series, I think, by far. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff, like, now, actually doing the blog, where I didn't read them originally, when I was just kind of reading them on my own. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I'm not sure if we really have time to go through the whole oh, no, lineup. no, I'm not but, playing. You yeah. know, we, we, could, we could briefly mention a few things, you know, if there's, if there's anything, I guess, are there any other series in the lineup that you really, really, really want to put out there that you really wanted to talk about today? Or at least anything that you wanted to briefly mention? I mean, probably nobody talks about now, but actually does run in the magazine, is that Tycarn Children? Oh, uh, yeah. D that has an anime, Yeah, it had right? a 50-episode anime, like, a couple... It had a 50s-episode anime, then a 13 or 26-episode spinoff? Yeah, that was, like, about one of the main villains or something. Uh, yeah, it's weird, because, like, I, I remember going to a con in my area a couple of years ago, and I remember meeting somebody who I don't remember how he was involved. Was it was the anime licensed? I think it was. It was, and it was brought under the name Psychic Squad because mm -hmm. Zetai Karn Children wouldn't work. Any, I mean, even if you tried to translate that into English, it sounds really kind of sketchy. Zetai Karn Children means absolutely lovely children. Which, hey, you know, that sounds like a pretty cute title, but... Because I, I, I could have sworn, I wish I had a better memory, but I could have sworn I ran into somebody at a con who, who like, was in charge of, like, getting, like, voice actor guests for these conventions who 
had mentioned that like he had been involved some way in the in like the dub for the anime so i thought that was kind of interesting i don't know if it ever got dubbed i feel like it was really sub only if it, if it wasn't the dub he like brought it up in a conversation for some reason oh, okay. and i was like okay i've never heard of yeah, this i show. think sentai released it as a sub only thing yeah, and it was released. Okay. Yeah, it was released under the name Psychic Squad. It's sub only. I mean, they had Zetai Current okay. Children as like the subtitle, but it wasn't released under that name. So, okay. I mean, I watched the anime when that originally aired, and I enjoyed that. But my memory from that convention in particular is fuzzy, so maybe I'm just making shit <laughs> up. But <laughs> okay, uh. so that that's a thing. And then you know, the author for that drew Ghost Sleeper Mikami, which he's mm-hmm. probably better known for. Which that had an anime drawn by Toei way back in the day. Yeah, I, I think I think I've heard of that series. So too, he's actually. drawn that as well. And then, I mean, speaking of things that have animated running, Jojo Senin Mushibukyo, although the anime was just called Mushibukyo, that's on Crunchyroll, I think. I think so. Yeah, that runs on Sunday. And still running. Although I think right now, I mean, Zetai Current Children, they've said it's on its final arc, but that was a couple of years ago and it's still kind of chugging along. So, yeah, well, well hey, I mean, same thing happened to Bleach. Yeah, yeah, true. And then Mushibugyo, Mushibugyo hasn't officially said it's on its final arc, but they're fighting like the last villain. So I'm pretty sure it's going to end soon. Hmm. What, what exactly is that series so about? It's about like giant bugs in Tokyo and Edo period. And okay. basically how there's this, like, government office of people who are basically badasses that take care of them. And mm, the main okay. character, Jinbei, is like, his dad was called to be part of this unit, but his dad messed up his leg or whatever, so Jinbei went. Hmm. And basically that's the series is basically about, you know, his exploits of being part of this, you know, elite unit of bug slayers. And how that, hmm. you know... Basically, it goes from there. I mean, uh, the re- I actually translated like ten chapters of it at one point. Basically, out of boredom. What about um? I sometimes I see you. I don't know if it's a regular on your blog, but I sometimes I see you talk about a uh, Hatsukoi zombie. Ah, uh, Hatsukoi zombie. That's actually I'm probably gonna be talking about that less on the blog because I found out the scanlations are caught up. So. Oh, okay. So you're probably going to be avoiding talking about that too much to avoid spoilers. Well, to avoid spoilers and the fact that the whole point of the blog is to talk about stuff that isn't really being scanlated or talked about. Mm-hmm. So that th- you should stop covering Conan. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually scaled back my Conan coverage. I was just joking. Hey, I was. Hey, I didn't know because I don't. <laughs> want, I don't follow scanlations, but. I found out the other day, like, I was talking about this. I went through, can you imagine wa- sitting there writing up a, this long-ass post about Conan just to find out that the chapter came out three days ago? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like everybody already knows what I'm talking about. It's so weird because the last time I checked, I didn't even think there were still people, like, actually scanlating Conan. At least not oh, there's regularly. always people scanlating Conan. Like, even when one person stops, the other one will pick it back up. Exactly. That's how Conan survives. Okay. Like something that long, nobody's no one person's handling it. I mean, I feel like it. What happened was there was a really big group handling it, but then Funimation put the banhammer on them. I think that's and then that's what happened, that's what yeah. happened to the anime. And then Crunchyroll picked it up, so that saved that. But yeah. then they also put dropped the manga too because they just didn't want to deal with the hassle. But then like a yeah. small pack of fans, because I mean, I know what it is right now. Essentially, is that. There's some Chinese girl that, like, gets the chapter really early in Chinese because the Chinese scanlators are really good at getting shit early. (laughs) So she translates it from Chinese to English, 
and then they use that for the scanlation. So that's how it works. So it's kind of like, yeah, so Conan's out. By the time I get the magazine, Conan's been out for a couple of days. So it's like, now it's like, there's no point in me doing it. And even even supposing Conan wasn't out that fast, it's so popular that I'm sure everybody would find out about it anyway. Right. So I don't I actually scaled back my Conan coverage now. So like now it's just maybe a page or two. So yeah. But okay. yeah, um Hatsukoi Zombie. So this is actually be a good opportunity to talk about what it's about, since I can on the blog since it's like fifty chapters in. But essentially Hatsukoi Zombie, it sounds like it should be like Sankria or something like that, but it's actually about when in the series, basically, when you have your first love or whatever, like, usually you can't see them, but they appear as like an apparition around you. So like, it's like a picture, like if you fell in love with this girl when you were like a kid, then it would be like, you wouldn't be able to see it be like a ghostly form of her following you around until Hmm. either you confess or you fall in love with someone else. So the main character, I forgot his last name, but Taro, the main character, like, basically he has an accident. Well, no, the series starts off when when he's really young. He knows this girl, and he and this girl are both, you know, they both really like each other, and then she moves away. And, you know, and then it moves to current time in the series where, you know, he has an accident where, and then where he can start actually seeing people's first loves. So he's actually seeing them all and everything now. And then, like, the same time, there's a new student that comes to the school, and Taro's like, oh, well, you know, and he sees a new student, and he thinks it's the girl that he likes, but he finds out that it's a boy. And then that's the thing, and then his Hatsukoi zombie is a version of this girl, but she's, like, much more, like, hot and buxom. So, because he hasn't seen this girl since she was a little kid, so he's got, like, the mental image of what he'd like her to look like. (laughs) So, and... That's what leads kind of like the central focus of the series. So it's basically, you know, Taro's going around trying, basically, I guess, helping people kind of get together with their first loves, sort of. And the dude who came in, like, that transferred to the school, it that actually is the girl he likes, and it actually is a girl. But I don't remember the reason why she's cross-dressing now. Hmm. So basically, I mean, I know one reason why she doesn't just come out and confess to him that, hey, you know, I am that girl is because he she too can see the Hatsukoi zombies and she sees like this idealized like big busted version of herself and that pisses her off <laughs> so <laughs> so it that that's one part of the reason why she doesn't just come out to Taro and confess to her so like the current chapters have been kind of getting closer and closer it's like there's a bunch of almost where he like almost discovers who she is and that's kind of like become mm-hmm. the central focus but, yeah, that's Hatsukoi Zombie. I mean, really, I just kind of like the art for it, because it's really, really cute looking. Mm-hmm. Now, is this the manga you cover on your blog with a lot of those, like, sequential little panels? Ah, okay, you know what I'm talking okay. About? yeah, that's Komi-san Komunisho desu. Yeah. Or, well, Komi-san has a communication sickness. That's drawn by Oda, not that one, which I make that joke a lot in the blog, <laughs> too. <laughs> but it's drawn by Oda Tomohito. Yes. So that one's about, basically, there's this girl, like, and again, this was a se- I actually know a lot about the series, despite not reading it at first, because I the premise really turned me off. But when I actually started doing the blog and reading it, I was like, oh, this is actually really adorable. <laughs> what is the premise, so, actually? She's attractive, but she has this kind of aloof, but the actual fact is she's just incredibly shy. She just really has trouble talking to people. Even though she wants friends, she wants to be, 
you know, she wants to make friends with everybody, but she's just talking is really difficult for her. So like we have the main character, Tadano Hito, which his name means just a dude. <laughs> so his name literally means just some dude. <laughs> just, but basically I didn't read chapter one, so I don't know how, but essentially she and Tadano, I guess Tadano approaches her. I don't know if he approaches her or if she approaches him or whichever happens, but they end up becoming friends because he finds out that, oh, well, actually, she's not just ice clean. She's actually just really shy to the point that she doesn't even like talking. She would rather write out things. <laughs> so she rarely the whole premise of the series is, you know, she's friends. She's kind of like making she's kind of getting a close circle of friends that kind of like, you know, okay. are beginning to understand her for who she is, which is just being really, really shy person. She barely talk like through the couple of chapters i've covered on the blog she's talked like twice <laughs> <laughs> so she talks communicates mainly through writing and it's it's really kind of it's basically i wouldn't call it a romantic comedy because it's not really romance it's more about friendship you know it's like she and tadano are really good friends some people misunderstand it and think that they're dating but you know it's mostly they're, they're just it's just them hanging out with their buddies and you know komi-san kind of like you know, making friends with people when she couldn't before because Tadano now is kind of helping her introduce her to other people. And it does have that, like, sequential art that, I mean, Oda's really good at that. Like, he draws each panel of something. And another thing about Sunday is, like, they have a lot of short series, like, that don't run. They're, like, 10 pages per chapter instead of 19. Like Maojo. Yeah, Maojo is another one. That one, I was actually going to comment about that when you were doing the news, because it was a series that had a similar name. I don't know if the premise is the same, but basically Maojo is about a princess who's kidnapped by the Demon King, and, you know, the hero, it, it's the whole trope thing of the heroes coming to save the princess and all that stuff. But the twist here is, like, the hero's having trouble getting to her. Mm -hmm. So she's basically just in this castle, just bored off her ass. And all she wants to do is sleep. Mm -hmm. So she's basically, every chapter is about her trying to find a way to just catch some Z's. And, like, the monsters in the castle are, like, you know, the monsters in the castle are just, like, confused by this princess who's just, like, trying to sleep. And everything, and it's just like, and of course they were expecting this thing to go a lot quicker. They were expecting <laughs> the, the hero to just show up, and you know they'd frag his ass, and that's it. But he's not, so they're like, okay, we've got this princess. What do we do? This really sounds. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it or seen it. This reminds me of something similar to like Senyu. Yeah, yeah, I've seen Senyu. Like not reading any of Maojo, I feel like pr this probably has the same kind of like comedic beats where like it's basically making fun of like classic video game tropes yeah. of like where in Senyu's case it's basically making fun of like JRPGs like Dragon Quest and all that kind of thing. That's that's what this sounds like to yeah, me. Yeah, Maojo, it, it's it's kind of like that. I mean, it's more just I mean, Shonen Sunday's I guess theme more or less is cute girls doing cute things. And it, mm -hmm. it kind of fits into that. It, it's basically about okay. the princess. You know, she's, she's a little kid. I mean, and you know, she's cute, but mainly it's just about her, you know, in a way she's not controlling the monsters, but just, she's kind of got them going in her pace just because she just does what she wants. So, so basically is this, is this just an entire series about a kidnapped princess just waiting for herself to be rescued, but she's like trying to look for things to kind of like, 
fill her time, kill some Basically, time. Basically, in her case, it's just like, but in her case, it's for her, it's finding new and inventive ways to sleep. I love this already. I want to read I, it. I think it's scandalated. I'm not sure. I, I hmm. really should. I, I might have to read I, this later. I really might need to sit down. <laughs> Maybe one thing I need to do for the blog is actually sit down and find out what's scandalated and so I can actually have an idea of what to cover. And probably it would just make a good post and be like, hey, guys, you like what I'm talking about? This is being scandalated. This is available officially. <laughs> so do that. You know. And, and the thing about Sunday is – a lot of this stuff does have really kind of offbeat premises like that. Like you have the regular action series, like you know, um, Psych and and even Hell Sobote. Even though it's an action series, it's kind of an offbeat one with Monster House. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's another series I mentioned once or twice about that's called Yugami's Got No Friends, and it's essentially about. So if Komi-san, it's kind of like the polar opposite of Komi-san in gender and approach, <laughs> like. Komi-san's about Komi wanting to make friends. Yugami's about this dude who doesn't want friends. He's He just finds friendship to be a pain in the ass. And he's the baseball ace. Good-looking baseball ace. Gets pretty good grades. But he doesn't want friends at all. Like, he just finds the idea of friendship to be just appalling. He's basically like Saiki Kusuro. Yeah. I was just thinking the same yeah, it's, thing. It's yeah. kind of like, I mean, I have, to, I have to sit down. I mean, Colton's been telling me to watch that, and I need to. But yes, you I, should. I really need to watch it. But yeah, it's it's kind of <laughs> similar to that. But what makes it interesting to me, um, Yugami, is the fact that unlike other anime and manga where it would be the point of the series would be trying to fix him, rather than trying to make him like out to be some kind of like antisocial weirdo, which he kinda is, but the characters in the series aren't really trying to fix him as much as it is that they like kinda they kinda see his point of view, I guess. Like there's okay. nothing wrong with, I mean, yeah, you should make friends, but it's like, at the same time, there's just, the way Yugami is just like, he goes so far out of his way to not make friends. Like, it's charming the way how much he doesn't want friends. Like, the main character girl is like, at first, at the beginning, she was kind of all like, you know, all up in his grill. Like, how could you not not want friends? But as the series progresses, she's kind of gotten to a point where she's kind of like, okay, I kind of get how he kit ticks. And he's actually not that bad a guy. He is a bit of an asshole, but he's not that bad a guy. So, and it's, that's basically how it is in every, not every chapter, but basically it's just how other characters react to him not wanting friends. And then eventually, like, I remember one chapter I covered in the blog, it was like this new kid that wanted to eat lunch with him. And like, eventually he got to the point where it was like, he kind of was like, realizing because he basically just sat down next to yugami and yugami's just like eating his lunch ignoring him and then he's kind of like the new kid's kind of like huh you know what i just used to put a bunch of emphasis on eating with people but just eating by yourself and thinking is not so bad once in a while you know and it's just like it's i like the fact that they're not trying to fix him the series isn't about making him out to be a bad guy it's just like people are different i guess that's kind of the the moral if there's a moral to the story is that not everybody's the same which Comey does is just it does it in the sense of trying you know bring people into mm-hmm. her inner circle while yugami's kind of pushing them out <laughs> it's really cool you got the best of both extremes in uh, the same magazine and they really yeah, complement and... each other really well like you can relate to both characters and like their wants and like they're yeah. sympathetic and what and like i mentioned earlier about shonen sunday you know we have psych which as you mentioned sid like psych runs generally speaking like nine chapters and then takes two months off 
and then you know it runs not i mean the most recent arc it ran like two volumes worth of stuff because i guess it was an extra long arc then it went on break for a month and now it's gonna be back week after next and then you got yugami which is it runs once a month it doesn't run weekly Mm -hmm. so generally speaking towards the end of each month there'll be one chapter yugami then it's on break till the next month and then there's another series birdmen by i mean i know we're yellow tanabe yeah yellow tanabe who did kakaishi oh yeah that's right i forgot about that birdman also has a monthly schedule where it'll run like once a month and then i mean i know we're long on time for the lineup so i won't go too much into what birdman's about and actually i only kind of know what it's about but yeah what was funny about birdman was it ran weekly for a while then it went on hiatus for like a month then it came back monthly so hmm. huh, okay i don't know if that's what yellow tanabe asked for or if shonen sunday was like oh because for a while they had like four series like each week of the month there was a monthly series running but then two hmm. of them ended and now it's just two so that's the thing okay i totally forgot that um kakaishi was a shonen sunday yes, title as well kakaishi was and probably it wasn't it was pretty big in japan the anime got, I mean, I could go on for days about how the anime got shafted by the channel, but yeah. Hell, the anime even aired on the Adult Swim anime block yeah. at one yeah. point. Yeah, and it actually aired right before Conan in Japan. Oh, okay. On YTV. So they, they actually had a bump in the middle of both shows where Yoshimori's like, yeah, thanks, hey, it's Kakaishi, we're up next. We may not be as popular <laughs> as Conan, but please watch us. Hey, well, listen, Conan brings in the numbers because now <laughs> he's going to be sharing in a time slot with Deku. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And that's pretty historic because I don't know that YTV's ever run a Shonen Jump anime. YTV's like, I mean, just to digress a little, YTV, they only show an hour of anime a week. Hmm. And half an hour of that is Conan. Exactly. It's just Conan and some other show, basically. Hmm. I mean, for before it was was Kindaichi. When Kindaichi came back for a while, it was Kindaichi. Then it was Phoenix Wright, then it was Time Bokan 24, and then it'll be Boku Hero. Yeah. I mean, My Hero Academia. So, And then they're all just sharing a slot with Conan. So for a while, when Kindaichi was on the channel, it was like Conan. It was basically a mystery power hour. Did Kindaichi run in Sunday no, as well? No, that's or? magazine. Uh, Kodansha. Okay, okay. So, huh. And the funny thing is, I think Kindaichi actually started before Conan. Oh wow! Huh, I didn't know that. And the the weird thing about that is, because I was like, I actually didn't know this either. But the Kindaichi anime started like I think Kindaichi's manga started in ninety two, but the anime didn't start till ninety seven. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Conan oh, wow. Conan's anime the manga started in ninety four, and mm. the anime started in ninety six. So Conan had less time between manga and anime, but was run longer than Kintaichi. Two years after uh, after the start of a manga series is, I think, usually when uh, if if a series is popular enough and there's enough interest, when c- certain series will get an yeah. anime or at least get an announcement. Not in Shonen Sunday. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, that's fair. Like that that happens with Jump a lot. I guess it doesn't really happen outside of Jump yeah, too I mean, much. Even Red Rumiko Takahashi stuff like Inuyasha started in '95. It didn't get an anime until 2000. Renee started in 2009. It didn't get an anime until 20, 2015, yeah. So like five, six and then years. Ken, the, and then Kenichi started, what, 90-something? And the anime didn't come to like the 2000s? So 
that's just how that's why right now i mean every magazine has like an anime thing where they talk about the new anime coming on that week episodes show sunday is basically just conan and i mean now they're doing rent they're doing rene reruns hmm. on nhk so they talk about that a little and then you know once sometimes there'll be a blip like dagashikashi or keijo or you know rene there'll be a blip and then conan will share the the spotlight with somebody and then they'll, they'll go, and it'll just be Conan again. I guess, um, unless there are any other series that you really, really, really want to mention and you think should get some attention, I kind of want to move on to talking about I guess your blog in general. one more thing I probably would mention, because Sid was interested in mm. it. I mean, when we were talking on the blog, but Tenshi to Octo, yeah. which is a manga about voice acting. Hmm, okay. So, but the, the twist on Tenshi and Octo is, isn't just about voice acting. That'd be fun and interesting, but no, it's about the main character, Octo, who voices the main character. He's a guy, 100% uh -huh. dude, but he voices the main character in the Maho Shoujo anime. Huh. So he voices a female character. I could see why uh, Sid would be interested in something like and that. And what makes it interesting, what makes it really interesting is there's kind of a little bit, it's kind of a little bit like Bakuman, where they talk about the anime industry and how voice acting works in it mm. a little bit, but it's not as... It's more just shonen, shonified voice acting battles. It sounds really cool to me, especially like with the pages you display in the blog, like with the characters, like they're playing, comparing like as avatars while they're giving a performance. Like it's a really cool way to visualize it. They're kind of like stands almost. Yeah. It's kind of like a stand battle, but with voices. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way the manga does it, it's kind of like a stand battle, but just with voice acting. <laughs> so, and, and you know, the, and, the author, uh, Hirakawa Aya, she, I, she's interested. Her series before Octo was uh, Kunisaki, I forgot the first, Kunisaki Izumo's um, Circumstances, which was basically, she's got this thing about cross-dressing boys, because like that series is about female kabuki, was, was about a male main character doing female kabuki roles. So that was that series. And the funny thing is about that one was it was a one shot that preceded the series that was a supernatural one. Like the dude would transform into like a female kind of like Edo era superhero. And that was a one shot. But then the series, when the series came out, it just it completely threw that away and just became more about actual just Kabuki plays. So it's kind of like Rakugo, but shonified a little. Interesting. Okay, so so hold hold on. I just I, re real quick because I, I wanted to say this series reminds me a lot of um, I don't know if you guys heard of it, uh, Sorega Seiyu or Seiyu's Life yeah. as a yeah Funimation that's, that's brought it Tenshi, over. Yeah, Tenshi to Akuto. Yeah, it, and I think Sorega Seiyu was even done by uh, Hata. Yeah, I just I just looked it up. Yeah, Kanjiro Hata. So a uh, combat butler guy but it's weird because like it doesn't say use life apparently it like i was thinking oh maybe it runs on sunday but i guess it doesn't no um hata hata's what you would call otaku's otaku <laughs> like <laughs> oh boy he's really kind of like <laughs> he's really deep into otaku kind of like he does even though he's an official manga artist he still does a lot of like doujinshi and stuff like fan art manga and stuff mm. like that so he uh, he actually has another series in Sunday. He was actually doing two series of Sunday at once, but one's on hiatus. And it's not I, I'm assuming that when Hayate ends, he'll probably pick that back up. But he did mention in one table of contents um comment that well, okay. So in Shonen Jump, 
the table of contents thing, they usually just, the authors just talk about something going on in their life or whatever, some funny anecdotes. But in Shonen Sunday, it's different, where they'll ask, like, a fan will send in a question, and then they'll post it, and then all the authors answer it. Okay. So that's how they do it in their magazine. I started to think about translating those, but I was just like, that's a lot of time for things that probably people don't care about but i guess if people listen to the show this podcast and they really want me to i could but yeah i i remember it was one time it was like what do you want to do in 2017 this was probably like the first issue of 2017 a sunday and kenjiro hata's answer was start a new series so that's how a lot of us were kind of like okay hayate's probably gonna end soon yeah, that's really interesting that he would say that, considering that I didn't even know he had two series running in Shonen Yeah, Sunday. the other series, I don't know much about. My friend was actually one. The guy that actually scans like Psych, he was the one that worked on that one. So okay, and I'm I don't know how much of that is out. I'm sure that a lot of it's scanlated, but that one's actually sci-fi, which is completely different than Hayate. You know, it has Hayate's sense of kind of referential humor. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> but it's a sci-fi series opposed to being you know Hayate, which is more of a love comedy, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I do want to spend a little time just kind of talking about your experience with the blog and just like kind of maybe where you got started, how you really came to the decision, like. Because I know people who listen to this may not know, but you actually started doing, like, threads on Twitter of just talking about different series and Shonen Sunday, and it's it seemed like people just kind of liked it enough where you were like, maybe I should do this more. So I actually, I live tweet translation of Psych and um, Ryoko from time to time. And, okay. you know, I obviously since they come out weekly and I usually do them daily, you know, I run out of stuff. And I'm an impatient sort of guy. I mean, I want to know what's going on right away. So, and of course, I mean, well, the great thing about Twitter and I guess the downside of Twitter is you can yell into the void all day and people won't know. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm translating Psych and of course I want to promote Psych. So, you know, I just figured, hey, why not? You know, at first it was just me posting about Psych. That, okay, because like there was a gap between where I was with the site translations and where Japan was with the serialization. So I usually just kind of okay. posted, you know, hey, this is what's going on in Psych. I'm going to probably translate it soon, but this is what's going on. And then I just figured, well, when I started getting the magazine digitally, and I was like, well, even though it's not that expensive, because as amazing as this is going to sound, for me to get an issue of Sunday every week is about three bucks. So I literally don't have to pay very much every week to do this so i used to just be reading basically psych and maybe you know maybe two other series at the time so it's like since i've got the whole magazine you know i i started with conan because everybody knows conan why not and then you know i started doing conan and then eventually you know with everybody talking on anime i mean with any twitter being any twitter where everybody's talking about anime i'm like there's nobody talking about manga though so i'm just like I could do that. I mean, I got shown on Sunday. I got time. Why not? So I started talking about the technical merits of pages I liked. And then people surprisingly started liking, you know, liking this. So I was like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. Well, maybe I should start. And then, you know, I, I feel like, I don't know if it was you or someone else just kind of mentioned to me, well, you know, I like, you know, I would read this stuff, but it's kind of impossible to find on Twitter. Yeah. So unless you're there when I'm live tweeting it, they get just completely lost. And I was just like, oh, maybe I'll start a blog at some point. 
I, I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm trying to take full Be credit, but I because because I'm because I'm like I'm sure other people suggested it, but like. I remember suggesting to you that maybe it would probably be better to do kind of a blog. Yeah, I mean, you and other people, I feel like there was a lot of people there just kind of, I mean, I know I kind of said maybe I should, but then I was like, you know me, I'm lazy, so I don't want to. (laughs) So, you know, I just kind of threw it out there. Hey, would you guys want to read a blog if I did it? And quite a few people actually said, yeah, sure, why not? I was one of the people. I I said, yeah, I I would read that. So I was like, okay, sure, I, I guess I can... I can do that once the once the new year started, even though it took me about seven issues. So those seven <laughs> first seven issues of twenty seventeen are gone forever. <laughs> but uh yeah, it took me a while to kind of get into the mode of, you know, actually saying, Let me do this because I was like, Well, why not? I mean, if people want to see it and I, I you know, like I said, mainly it just became a thing from seeing any Twitter and seeing people now that I've kind of gotten introduce any twitter and how people talk about what they like and i mean i just generally getting off of sunday for a bit i just generally like the atmosphere on any twitter i mean yeah we bullshit each other from time to time but generally speaking we talk about what we like and people like it and ask us questions about it yeah and people actually like give a shit about your opinions and whatnot and that's always cool yeah and that's and that's really nice it's a really nice feeling i mean even if that's why i try not to talk about scanlations too much on the blog because i do want to kind of keep it official but it's i'm looking unlikely that a lot of the stuff will be picked up officially <laughs> so yeah, unfortunately. so i do i want to try to keep it legit but yeah i i generally just like the idea of just like i want to share this thing that i like with everybody so why not do it in a format? And plus, Twitter's word limits were also pissing me off. So, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, that that was another reason why I said, let me do a blog. So I got the blog together. I mean, it takes a long time to do this, but every week, and I know I bitch about that on Twitter, <laughs> but yeah, I was I was gonna say, like, I'm assuming it's probably a lot harder to do this in blog form compared to Twitter, where. I mean, yeah, the most you'd probably have to deal with would be just the character limit. But I imagine, I mean, yeah, it was probably still a lot to post, but I imagine it wasn't too difficult for you on Twitter. It's not that it's hard. It just takes up a lot of time. So like, I guess what I'm asking is, like, does it, is it, like, is there a difference between posting all this on Twitter compared to, like, doing a blog post about it? Like, does one take more time than the other? Uh, Generally speaking... I can't say. I can't really answer that because on Twitter, I purposely not post as much as I do on the blog because clearly because that word limit and time. So I would like on the Twitter ones when I used to do that, even if like unless it was like a page that was totally awesome and I just needed to geek about it for a minute, I wouldn't post it like on the blog now. Like, for example, now I include the, the table of contents where I didn't do that on Twitter because it's like then I'd have to talk about the table of contents and doing that in 4,000 tweets is just not cool. (laughs) So now I include that. I actually talk about that. And then like, I would include adverts, but I'd only do Conan adverts because, you know, there's a huge Conan following on Twitter, which still mystifies me because I I didn't really realize that Conan was so popular on Twitter. But yeah, I mean, I can't really answer because now I'm purposely adding more stuff like, you know, the, the pinup shoots that, I include now in the past, I didn't include those because, you know, again, Hmm. it's just kind of a waste of a tweet. I feel like so. 
Now on the blog, I have a little bit more leg room, so I include a lot more stuff. Okay. I guess, generally speaking, a blog post, you know, if I'm to walk you through a blog post, it's, you know, I usually get the, the magazine at, like, 10 in the morning. Okay. And then, you know, I'll get it on my phone, I'll flip through it at work, you know, see, okay, what's going on, what's interesting this week. And generally on Twitter, I'll usually say it on Twitter, oh, wow, this week on Sunday... Somebody died. <laughs> Somebody, and, <laughs> and you know, I'll talk about a little – it's kind of a preface to the, the blog entry when I get home from work. Mm, so so basically you, you still use Twitter to get like your – kind of your quick thoughts yeah, like, out there. And then you kind of expound on more when you get home to, to you, like do your blog. Yeah, exactly. I'll flip through it. You know, like, I remember, like, I mentioned, and I didn't even know Sid was paying attention, but he mentioned it on the comments. <laughs> He's like, yeah, this Sunday really was on the web. I was like, oh, he read that. <laughs> yeah, because I mentioned... Oh, 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 people read this. Yeah, no, because I mentioned on Twitter that, like, oh, this week was kind of uneventful. And since, you know, on Twitter, if nobody doesn't... If nobody retweets you or likes you, it's you don't know if anybody read it. So, that's nice. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I... So, I'll flip through it, like in the morning generally then maybe post like a brief impression like okay nothing much happened or a lot of shit happened you know and then another thing is on manga helpers they'll have like there's a shonen sunday thread and the, there's somebody i don't know how he does it but he gets the magazine on like saturday and posts like a couple of pages huh. you know the sunday doesn't actually get released till tuesday or well technically it's wednesday but in my in our time zone here it's still tuesday so <laughs> Okay. So that's why I posted Tuesdays, but technically Japan doesn't get until Wednesday, like midnight. Man, that's confusing. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So before I derail myself again, I'll go back to walking you through a blog post. But yeah, uh, then when I get home, I do magic things because they're on kind of like the gray area legally. So 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 alchemy. Yeah, I do alchemy. You know, I I <laughs> Okay. I, I, I makes sense. I my mom's alive, so I needed to use alchemy for something. So <laughs> but, 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 she'll, but she'll but she'll never be the same. So yeah, yeah, basically I, I do things. <laughs> I get the pictures and everything and then you know I usually put on a mix of I put on a tape of eighties rock music and start the magic. <laughs> so uh nice. yeah and and that's where you create your blog post. Yeah, yeah, I start writing the blog post. I mean sometimes when I'm looking through stuff because when I'm flipping through it at work, although my job's pretty lazy as fair, they're not gonna really get on me. I don't want to be sitting there looking at a phone for too long. So right. yeah. I usually when I get on the blog, that's when I might look actually closely at things where I'll actually look at something and try to translate it. And then my impressions of what I post might change. Like if I read it, like at work where I might look at a page and it's just like, looks cool. But then I look at when I read it, it's like, Oh, but they're not really doing anything on this page, but just yelling. So, okay. I'm probably not going to put that in. And then I also look at the TOC and I figure out, okay, what series do I want to cover this week besides Sobote, which Sobote and Ryoko pretty much are the ones that get covered every week. And Komi-san, those are the three. And Renee. And, yeah, and Renee. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, Renee is always forgotten. <laughs> well, hey, to be fair, it's kind of like, when you say Shonen Sunday, it's like Takahashi's the period at the end of that sentence. <laughs> right. You, you say Shonen Sunday, you say Conan, and then even if you don't say Takahashi, she's there. So, yeah, yeah and Renee, which, again, is another series where it's like, I didn't really read it until I started doing the blog, and now I actually really like it. 
So I'm actually gonna have to make time to watch the anime. But yeah, I I have to say I actually like Rene more than Inuyasha at this point. But yeah, and hmm. I figure out like and then of course another thing too is when I ask people for their suggestions on Twitter, what I should do, a lot of people are like, well, we actually want to hear about your feelings. Don't just sit there and be like Josh. <laughs> so, you know, it's great if you talk about the technical merits of shit, but we want to know that you're not a machine. We, we, yeah. we want to know how you feel. I think that's what a lot of people are looking for in a review. It's uh, especially with like under the radar series like this, like people really want to know like what you how you feel about them. And that's the thing I'm trying to balance more of. I mean, I'm not used to talking about me, <laughs> so I, I'm not used to talking about how I feel about things. So that's why Twitter has been a really rewarding experience for me in that sense, too, because normally I'm just the kind of guy that just quietly works on things and nobody knows how i feel now i talk about all the time about how i shit post on gintom and everybody thinks i hate it when i don't actually hate it i just am not i just have i have misgivings and i'm very vocal about them but i love gintama <laughs> so but yeah uh, you wouldn't be translating it if you weren't a fan yeah but not to digress from that but yeah that i do try to talk more about my feelings about things, which means actually to start reading them. <laughs> so, and that's probably how Josh gets away with it because he can just kind of just watch anime without really listening to what's going on. <laughs> Holy crap! I'm shitting on him. <laughs> like, Josh just watches the pretty pictures. I don't. Yeah, that's 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 sounds pretty accurate. Yeah, and so now I can't do that. If I want to talk about my feelings, I actually have to read it. <laughs> so that takes a little bit more time too. But I am. I'm getting to it where I kind of like it. I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to do it where it doesn't take like four hours. Cause usually I get home about maybe three thirty four, and I'm done with the write up by seven. And that's not a life I really want to live every week. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, I have a lot of fun. I sound like I'm bitching about it, but I, I do enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. If I didn't, I probably wouldn't be doing it. Cause again, I'm lazy. <laughs> so I, I do enjoy it. And I, and I'm trying to talk more about things that, you know, series that I wouldn't normally read. Like, I mean, not to go back to the lineup again, but there is a lot of romantic comedies. Again, girls doing cute things, which I like in doses. <laughs> That's not my favorite thing, but... <laughs> yeah, but the ones that run on Sunday seem pretty cute, like Comey. Yeah, Sunday, like Comey, and then even the fan service-laden series like Megumi Amano, which is sort of like the two love you, but it's too cute to be that. I mean, there's fan service in it. Hmm. But it's like cute fan service. It's like the kind of thing like it's I wouldn't say you could read it anywhere, but it's just cute. I mean, yeah, there's a bit of fan service in it, but that's less to really titillate and more just to kind of like it's just part of the story. So Sunday again, as Sid put it, yeah, basically it's a lot of really cute series in the series in the in the magazine. I mean, with the occasional, you know, with um Fujita with who's badass and i guess because even psych i mean even psych i basically call it a cute jojo i mean again because fukuchi's a huge fan of iraqi it really is just a super cute jojo but speaking of which since we were talking about the days of the week so it's called shonen sunday comes out wednesday but because of our time zone difference i get it tuesday morning but the the whole reason why they call it shonen sunday is apparently the very first editor was like he wanted the series he wanted the magazine to kind of evoke the feelings of reading manga on a sunday afternoon so that's where the name came from 
So even though it technically has never been released on Sunday ever, it's been always Wednesday, but that's why it's called Shonen Sunday. And that's probably why the series in it are really kind of laid back when compared to Jump and Magazine. It's the laid back magazine. If Jump is the one that gets your blood boiling, then Sunday's the one that's supposed to calm you down. Yeah, Jump is the one where it's like, yeah, friendship after victory, Arr! and then Shonen Sunday is like, whoa, ah, whimsy, rom com, hyping, yeah, exactly, Ooh. exactly. Except for Fujin, who's like, ah, violent monster, yokai <laughs> yeah, okay, that, that, that's that, that's that, and, and and except for Conan, which is always murdering people all the time, yeah. but you know, no, even Conan is kind of like. Pretty yeah, I mean, Conan, I mean, when you put when you take out the murders of Conan, I mean, generally speaking with Conan, it's like going camping with the detective boys, going to see a movie with yeah. Ren or Nissan, G- going to a spa. Uh, yeah, that they're they're not doing. It's not like Nero, where it's like it's mystery. Even though Nero is barely a mystery series, let's be for real. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> we already talked about that. Yeah, I mean, Conan, like Conan's basically it's a slice of life series with mysteries in it. I mean. That's really what Conan... Except when the Black Organization gets involved. Conan's basically a Slice of Life series with mysteries in it. Yeah, Jump is basically that guy who's, like, hopped up on steroids and always wants to punch yeah. people in the face. <laughs> while Sunday is just kind of like, hey, man, let's just let's just take a nap. It's Sunday. Yeah, I exactly. Sunday is your, your best buddy. Yeah. It just kind of leans back and it's like, yeah, you want to hang out? If you don't, that's cool, you know? It's like the Cool Night song. Baby, you can go. <laughs> and then magazines, your friend who makes all the dirty jokes. Yeah, no, Sony, that's that's Sony magazine. It's like that's pretty appropriate because I always used to wonder. Okay, if Sunday's gonna chill, chill magazine jumps the passionate one. What's magazine? And the magazines, yeah, basically just one long dirty joke with some sports. But, but magazine yeah. is just <laughs> magazine's just yeah, a normal dude with sports with a lot of sports. Yeah, a normal sporty dude. Yeah, who's that's that's pretty pretty that's basically Shonen yep. Magazine in a nutshell. He's the guy that's gonna like pat you on the butt after a good game, but maybe secretly he likes it. I don't know. Well, that was a weird analogy. Okay, Colton, so right, is there something <laughs> you want to tell us? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just walking. That's that's basically a Tuesday on the blog. You know, I'm definitely I've thought about actually doing these things on Sunday, but like I like kind of striking it while it's hot. You know, while I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Like when I get it Tuesday yeah. morning, and then I'm on the mode to kind of like you know, yes, last Tuesday I ended up doing it at like midnight because I fell asleep when I got back from work, and then like nobody saw it. So that that's the kind of thing. But yeah, I as for me getting into Sunday again, I guess it's mostly because of Fukuchi. I mean, I, I feel like if Fukuchi were in Jump, I probably probably wouldn't be doing a Jump blog because just because everybody fucking knows about Jump. I mean, it's it's boring to me. I mean, even mm-hmm. my translation philosophy is I don't translate things that everyone else is translating because it's just like, what's the point? To be popular, obviously. I don't want to be popular because then people expect things of me. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's how it works with Gintama. If I if I miss a week, I get mauled. If I like, where's Gintama, bitch? I don't want that. You get like death threats from Tumblr and all that and, stuff. And, exactly. I get death threats from Tumblr when I translate the fucking series. I, I I can't win. So you get death threats either way. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I work on Sunday because it's the one guy that doesn't care. It's just like it, it's it's just <laughs> like yeah, you can work on me or you can read me or you cannot read me. It's really not a big deal. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. So it's. That's a day in the Tuesday of BDR. Hmm. But, um, 
I don't think there's anything else I want to ask in particular, Sid. I think um, unless there's anything you want to ask me in particular. Yes, actually, we it's pretty clear we can't cover a bunch of what we would want to cover in terms of Sunday because it's such a big ma- magazine with a long storied history. Right. So we probably are going to come back to this topic and the history of Sunday and some of its legacy series and creators like down the line in the future. Oh, sure. But there were like two questions that my friend Spark of Spirit uh, on Animation Revelation kind of wants to know. Okay. The first is why Shonen Sunday has dropped substantially in readers compared to Jump and Magazine over the years. Because it has very talented creators and mangaka on working for it, like Takahashi, Fukuchi, Adachi, Fujita. And it's been around for so long, but it has like a fort of the readers Jump does. And uh, half of the readers magazine does. So why do you think that is? I honestly think, just like we were kind of discussing it, that Sunday didn't really have a hook. Because mm-hmm. I remember when I was on Tuchan, maybe looking up spoilers for some series or whatever, and there was actually a conversation with Japanese people where they were actually just kind of like, so what the fuck is Sunday known for? And like, they really couldn't come up with it. I mean, one guy jokingly said underage girls in questionable situations, which was almost not untrue. <laughs> so, I mean, like, none of them, but in all series, they were all just kind of like, okay, Jump's known for action. Magazine's known for sports. What the fuck Sunday for? <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. like, I think for a while there was no real... Sunday was kind of just aimlessly... It was like that drunk dude just kind of aimlessly walking down the street at night. And so it, it really didn't have a direction. And, and I think another thing was what hit it hard was... Basically, all of the magazines kind of took a hit with readership. Whether you're Jump Magazine or Sunday. It's just that jump did a little bit better because they have they have popular series that are like anomalies almost like when one piece ends there's probably never going to be anything as big as it ever again i don't think or at least not for a while like sunday never really had that that propelled a magazine to new heights i mean there are people that read one piece but don't read jump so, right. you know, that should tell you something. And, like, even Shingeki... Yeah, I bet there are a lot of Conan readers that are the same way. Yeah, there are a lot of... I mean, generally speaking, yeah, there are a lot of people who don't read the magazine, but they read certain series out of the magazine. They just wait for each volume to come out. Again, I'm impatient, so I don't understand how they do that. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, for me, I, I need to know what's going on right away. So I love the magazines. But, I mean, there's even some been some talk that they need to do away with them. And... Like we were talking about about the work ethic earlier, that would actually be easier on the author because they could just draw volumes worth of stuff whenever and release it. So mm-hmm. that that's been some talking, but personally, I like the magazines and I hope they are here to stay. But yeah, I just don't think Sunday's ever really had that because I mean, even Conan at its heyday was nowhere near One Piece in popularity. Right. So I just think, and then even like Shingeki no Kyojin for um magazine. Basatsu Shonen Magazine. Mm-hmm. That's just huge. Those are Shonen Sunday, at least not since the 80s or 90s, has had like just a series that's just blown up. Like the most popular right. series, even Silver Spoon, is popular in sales and everything like that. But even that doesn't, it approaches One Piece numbers right. but falls short. So yeah. I just think Sunday's just never had, they've got a bunch of really popular artists 
and everything, but they've just never been able to find that hit that just like propelled the magazine to new heights. Because, you know, when something's really popular in a magazine, like it helps the whole magazine. Like One Piece mm-hmm. itself, like even if you're buying Shonen Jump just to read One Piece, eventually you're going to read something else in there and be like, oh, that's actually pretty good too. I think I'll read this and One Piece. Huh, One Piece isn't the only series in this magazine? <laughs> yeah, and I used to joke I used to joke that well, Shonen Jump is basically One Piece weekly. Well, well at this point, tri-weekly because I guess it doesn't run once a month. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that. It's just like, I just feel like that's probably part... One, Sunday hasn't really been able to get like an identity until recently mm-hmm. probably with Ichihara, the new editor-in-chief. Like, now he's kind of, like, giving it a sort of direction, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, helping a little bit. Because the type of series that are running in Sunday now are a little bit, like, there was just... It's great to have things of a bunch of different genres running in your magazine, but then I feel like it also makes it difficult to sell the magazine as a whole. Because, like, it's like it's going in several different directions. Like, now you go to Jump, you want to read an action series, you go to Jump. That's just hands down. Yeah. But you go to, if you want to read sports, you go to this magazine. But with Sunday, it's kind of like, what do I go to Sunday for, really? Conan, I guess. Conan and rom-coms, maybe? Yeah, you go to, you don't go to Sunday for series, you go to Sunday for authors. And if you're only reading something for the author anyway, why would you read the magazine? You could just read the volumes or watch the anime, if there is one. And also another thing with Sunday, and this is just my opinion, is that they also take a long time to kind of capitalize on hits, which hurt them a lot in the past. I mean, they're getting a little bit better with that now. Because, like, Dagashikashi got an anime, like, maybe a year and a half after it started. So they're getting better with that now. But in the past, it was like getting an anime in Sunday, it took years and years, and I never understood why. Like, Sunday has no, other than Conan... Sunday has no, like, long-running anime, while Jump has had, usually, Jump will have two or three running at once. So I feel like that was a problem for Sunday, and now it's bitten them in the ass, because now they're at a point where they don't have really anything that can be animated that would really help the magazine, because back when they had stuff that was running in popular, before they could jump on the anime, series either get canceled or end. So... Now, running things after the fact doesn't help your magazine during, because then there are no more sell, sales of that series. So it's a combination of factors, but the biggest one is just they just never had – they never had that one piece or that fairy tale. They never mm-hmm. had something like that in the magazine that was just like – at least in the late 90s. Like, they never had anything that was just like that big in the magazine. Because, I mean, hell, you look at, again, Jump – Putting aside One Piece, you had One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach running at the same time. And that's just, that's a shit ton of sales right there. Even if One Piece were to end for whatever reason, Naruto and Bleach could, they couldn't, maybe they wouldn't be able to pick up the slack, but they did a lot of work on their own. And then under those, you had Gintama and Toriko who sold okay too. So it's like everything in Jump, it's like Jump has sales tiers and they're all better than Sunday. Where Sunday's very best series was like the lowest tier of jump series. Hmm. Yeah, and so I guess for Sunday to really bounce back really, it would need like a one piece type of series. Yeah. To really kind of propel them forward. Like really pick up interest in the magazine. 
Really what they need is a crop of series that gives the magazine its own flavor and identity so that readers are going to the magazine to read it as a magazine like they do for Jump and not just for the authors or particular series they like. Yeah, exactly. That's what they need. And it keep, kind of keeps the blood flow, you know, the blood flowing. I guess if something's not doing well, the best thing to do as much as it sucks is to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think another reason why Jump does so well is because they do have that kind of revolving door of stuff. I don't like it that Jump does that, but I can't deny the fact that it's what it, it has really its benefits. Them. It does. Yeah. It has its benefits. Like, if you don't like a series and it's not popular, then it's usually gone immediately. And then something else that might do better is in its place. Yeah. Yeah. Jump is very much a survival of the fittest magazine. Oh, yeah. The very best of the best survive. Oh, yeah. And if they can't keep up, they drop off. They get get knocked out. While Sunday, Mm -hmm. Sunday, like its image provides, is very kind of lenient to everybody. I mean, Jump, there's stuff that gets cut in two volumes. Yeah. Sunday, I remember there was a time where I was reading Sunday stuff and things would at least get to five volumes before getting cut. If mm-hmm. that's too long, I don't know. I feel like that would be That's enough. about a year. Yeah, that's about a yeah. That's about a year to know whether you're gonna sink or swim. I think that's a fair passage of time. Because that's usually when, like, whenever something new in Jump premieres, I usually wait and see, like, okay, well, if if this is still here in, in like, another year, I'll check it out. Because then, obviously, you know that that particular Tyler or whatever has some kind of following. Yeah. And I just think that Jumpin' overall, like I said, is just better at jumping on opportunity than Sunday is. Like, for example, giving World Trigger an anime when they did. Even though World Trigger was, like, at best an okay seller the fact that it was doing okay enough they jumped on getting an anime really fast and i feel like even though in the end like whether you like the anime or not it helped a little bit yeah it really did it did give it more visibility it was good promotion yeah exactly if world trigger running a sunday it probably still wouldn't have an anime and no one would be reading it exactly and even though it's on hiatus now the fact is, it did its job of promoting it, and I just think Jump is really good at uh, whoever's running Jump is really good at seeing an opportunity and saying, "Let you know, let's go for it," you know. And like yeah. even with Black Clover now getting an anime and everything, you know, they're just very good at their marketing is like some of the best I've seen. Like mm-hmm. they know when to animate things, they know what to animate, they know what they're doing over at Jump. Is even if I don't like some of their sales practices, they know what they're doing. So, and mm-hmm. that's why their brand has been so huge and they've got so many hits. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about the difference in practices and and how that affects the readership of Sunday compared to a magazine jump. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, like even right now, I don't think magazine has any animated series out there. I know they've got one upcoming but I don't think they have anything. Wait, no, yes, they do. They have one series, Days, I think. Yeah. Is that hiatus now? Is that still going? I don't know. I heard it got a second season, but I think it might be... I don't think it's airing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was about to say. I don't think it's airing at the moment, but I heard it got a second season. Oh, it has Fuka. Fuka's airing oh, right Oh, right, now. right. You're right. You're absolutely right. I forgot that Fuka... Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the fact that Sunday and Magazine are in that you know same situation where it's just kind of like... Both of them don't have very much going on animated, and anime is really right now. It's just Fuka. I'm checking Japanese Wikipedia. It's just Fuka. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and they're in. I mean, and then with Fuka, I doubt that's going to last long. So that means 
I mean, I figure Days will be yeah. Days is going to get a second season. I heard so, and then they have Series Zero Children that'll be that got an anime announcement. Other than that, there's really not much going on. I think that that's a big deal. Knowing when to animate your properties is a big, big deal. Do it too early and, you know, that can be a problem. Do it too late and that's a problem. Yeah. And I guess to transition to the other question that my friend Spark asked, Mm -hmm. uh, he wants to know why Keijo is even a thing, why it got an anime, and how it managed to avoid cancellation for so long despite having absolutely no success. I have no idea, and this has been a, this <laughs> this has been a thing that all of us Sunday Sunday heads have discussed in manga helpers for the longest ass time. We were like, when when Keijo first started, we were like, this is gonna last a year. Then it lasts a year. <laughs> like, there's no way it's gonna get an anime. Then it got an anime. It was just kind of like, huh? I mean, it's apparently it's gonna end now. So eventually, I guess its luck ran out. Yeah, after three years. Right? I, yeah, I it, fifteen volumes. I have no idea. And the author who draws Keijo, he's no stranger to drawing interesting things. I, I, I he drew a manga, the first sound manga. So it was kind of like the precursor to the Jumps Vomix or the Voice Comics, where Sunday actually tried it first. But I guess it didn't work so well. But essentially, the plot of this manga was it was about an exorcist that exorcised demons from, well, God, I hate talking about this. But he exorcised demons from girls by rubbing their booze. And this was all done with sound. So, and that was this guy's first series before Keijo. So, yeah, the rubbing and everything all had sound. (laughs) I'm going to just move along from that. But yeah, it's... Interesting that he, um, I don't know how Keijo lasts as long as it did, because it's never, right now, I mean, I'm looking now at the sales numbers on the blog, and the best it's gotten is, and I'm assuming this is when the anime was running, 7,851 copies. Mm-hmm. And from, like, your sales chart, that's, like, the fourth to last in terms of the new volumes for each series. Yeah, I mean, that, this volume 14. So, I mean, volume one did 6,000. I mean, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but basically it ranges around 6,000 to about 4,000 to Mm 7,000, which, I mean, those numbers sound pretty good from, they sound decent. If those were anime numbers, that'd be good. Plus the anime, I should even say the anime flopped. It didn't even sell, I don't think it even pushed a thousand discs. Wow. Oh, shit. So the anime flopped. So... I'm not sure how it got anime. I mean, but, and you look at those numbers, those were, those sound decent, but then you look at Gin no Saji, which is 853,000, you know, Conan's 500s, and then Psyche, who started out at 6,000, is now, I don't know how well Volume 7 sold. I mean, yeah, I don't know how well Volume 7 sold yet, I'll have to ask my friend, but Keijo went from 6,000 to 5,000 in one volume. Psych went from 6,000 to 7,000 in two volumes, then 8,000, then 13. So Psych mm-hmm. has actually had an upward trend. While Keijo's been stagnant. Yeah. I think this just means that Shonen Sunday just wants as much money yeah, as they can Yeah, get. That, I feel like yeah. that's that's probably the best answer for that question is they just saw a series that wasn't, that was making something and they were like, ah, yeah, good enough. Yeah, exactly. You're mm-hmm. just like, good enough. Now, 
We'll take, we'll take it. it. I mean, that was before Ichihara came on board. I mean, again, I don't want to go as far as saying Ichihara is a savior for Sunday because I don't know yet, but it seems like he's basically looking at things like because there was a lot of stuff in Sunday that was running that wasn't selling. It was like, or they were selling, but they were barely selling anything. But I guess whoever the editor in chief was before that, they were fine with that. But when Ichihara came in, he was like, he's not, he doesn't take bullshit. So he was just like, you know, if you don't sell, you're out. So, I mean, Keijo, like I said, it didn't even really remain stagnant. If it remained stagnant, that would have been a good thing. It actually went down. <laughs> <laughs> and then when the anime came, it went, it bumped it up a little. But again, comparing that to Psych that had an upward trend in seven, six, six volumes, I mean, hell, let's put, let's even put Psych away and put in Ryoko, which again, you guys are getting the exclusive scoop because I didn't have this on the blog yet because I didn't know it yet. Because Ryoko hadn't yet gone on sale, but Ryoko apparently at the end of its before it dropped off the Oricon sales charts and Shoseki, uh, Ryoko did about five thousand five hundred. So, hmm. oh, okay. and considering Keijo's first volume, did first of all Keijo's drawn by somebody who did a manga before. Maybe it wasn't a very good one, but people were familiar with him. So Keijo's first volume did six thousand. Ryoko's did five thousand. And keep in mind that Mitsuhashi is an unknown. Nobody knows who the hell this guy is. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, granted, Ryoko also got a lot of promotion. I mean, it has an official Twitter now. But hmm. so it got a lot of promotion. So it's kind of, it's good in the sense that it's, sold, it's selling better than, I mean, not better than Kelly Joe, but it's close to Keijo's level. But it's bad on the sense that they had to promote it a whole lot to get it there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of a thing. Because, I mean, yeah, 5,500 is not bad for somebody who's a relative newbie. In Jump, that would probably be cancellation terms. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but um, in Sunday, that's just kind of like, okay, we, we can give you another volume or two to see where this is going to go. Yeah, Jump would be like, did your first volume sell 100,000 100, copies? <laughs> oh, I don't think so. Okay, you're canceled in five no, chapters. They, they would just walk over to him, pat him on the back. Your next series will do good. For sure. Because <laughs> uh, that's what they said to Sorachi when Gintama started to flounder. They were, like, he said his editors were just like, they pat me on the back and say, it's your first series, Sorachi-kun. And look where he is I mean, now. Yeah, look at where he is now. Yeah, I mean, most people, that's what he would, he would tell stories about that. He was like, nobody, rarely do people hit the first series, Sorachi-kun. You'll be fine. Nobody believed in yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And then now Gintama's like almost a household name. So mm-hmm. that's why, again, I'm kind of like, I wish they would give things more chances because you never know where something can end up when it's given time. But at the same time, I know time is exactly that, a premium. Time is money. Yeah, time is money. Exactly. Yeah, just looking at all of these things like, you know, wow, Hayate had a really serious drop. So it's no wonder they're pulling the plug on that. But yeah, it's so Keijo just, I don't know. I, I feel like at the beginning, I've read a little bit when the anime first started, I read a little bit at the beginning of the manga. It started out pretty not outlandish <laughs> but i just feel like at some point the author was just i i feel like the author just had this idea for this thing and then he wasn't i don't think he expected it to go as long as it did and then you know when he realized oh shit they're not canceling me shit i guess i'll have to actually i really wish they would <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if he thought that to himself he's like i don't know even know what i'm still doing here i just thought i'd get a volume or two <laughs> I just wanted to draw some boobs and butts. I mean, you know. 
<laughs> I just I don't know. It's it's just weird to me. Keijo's like the weirdest thing ever. If if One Piece is weird for the fact that it's just so huge and shows no signs of slowing down, Keijo's weird for the opposite reason. <laughs> just why is this still here? Ever since I started doing the blog, it, it, even before I was doing the blog, it was at the bottom of the TLC like almost every week. And then yet all of the series around it would die. <laughs> it was just a thing where the editors were just like, we were getting a little bit of money from this. And we like looking at TNA. So <laughs> it's really it's really a no-lose situation for us here. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a, be- a better explanation he can give, huh? Yeah, pretty much. So, and, and I guess when Ichihara came in, he was like, you know what? Nah, TNA is nice, but we can go strip clubs with money we get from manga that are successful. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, I, I could just imagine him coming in and you're like, you know, TNA is nice, but if we make money, we can go to strip clubs and see actual yeah. TNA. <laughs> and then everybody's like, you know, this guy's got a point. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> what are we let's, doing? Let's, make, let's get successful manga in here and go to strip clubs. Then all of a sudden, the veneer around Keijo just kind of dissolved. I mean, again, I don't know if it's actually going to end, but I would be really surprised if it's not. Because when – if – I didn't put Tenshi to Octo's sales numbers up here, but they're pretty similar to Sykes. So that's mm-hmm. two series that are less than 10 volumes that are selling almost double your sales. That really says something. I think that's another case uh, closed and shut. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I, I, I would agree with that. And then on top of that, oh yeah, I forgot to mention that, you know, Tenshi to Octo is getting its own vocal manga thing. I guess that makes sense. It, it makes, yeah. And I guess they could make build the bridge to an anime eventually. Granted, I there have been cases where anime get like drama CDs and vocal things and never get in, you know, an anime. But... Those are really rare. Technically speaking, when they start hiring voice actors to do a thing, anime's in mind. So I could see Tenshi to Octo getting an anime at some point. Meanwhile, I mean, what I really want to see is a psych anime, but because of its weird-ass schedule, I don't know how they'd even do that. Well, I think that's about it for uh, questions, right, Sid? Yeah. I guess very quickly, Bomber, why don't you tell us, what are your favorite Shonen Sunday series overall? Like your top three? Not just modern, just old time. Oh, okay, just whatever. Clearly, anything Fukuchi's written, but that's mm-hmm. that's the easy answer. Kikaishi, Kikaishi for sure. I really like Kikaishi. There was something about just how the storytelling when that was done. I mean, I won't go too much into that because I know we're depressed for time, but I really like Yellow Tanbei's way of storytelling. That it's just, she has a way with just kind of taking her time with things. So it, it can come off as very, very slow, but... I like the way she does that. Um, I, I never finished Ranma, so I can't really speak on that one. I like Inuyasha. I think I like Rene more than Inuyasha at this point, just because it is just... I, I like that its sense of humor is very, very subtle. Yeah. It's like the opposite of Gintama, which is really in your face with its humor. Yeah, it's a lot more low-key. Yeah, it's very different from her previous comedies, so it's really interesting to me. Yeah, that, that's that's something else I wanted to point out with that. It's very just... Like, a very her other comedies were very similar to, like, actually, Sorachi's sort of sense of humor, just less mm-hmm. toilet. Less toilet humor, but they're very, very... Not obnoxious, but very... Like, they're high-octane. Like, there's a bunch of stuff going on. There's lots of slapstick. Yeah, and like, exactly. Rene's a lot more, it's not more slow, 
in the sense, like, there's not as many, like, crazy antics going on per page. Like, characters are taking things a lot slower. There's still plenty of slapstick, but... Yeah, there's still plenty of slapstick, but I feel like Rene is, like, each chapter is dedicated to one gag. Mm-hmm. So opposed to like Ranma and other stuff where there's like several gags going on in each chapter, mm-hmm. Rene picks a joke a week and kind of sticks with it. And it's because most things end in a chapter that it never feels drawn out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they have once in a while where things would go on longer. But yeah, moving on from that, I recently, thanks to Jechan, one of my friends on Twitter, I actually got into touch. And which is weird for me because I don't like romance or sports. <laughs> but I feel like with Adachi, his stuff is never, it's not that. I mean, because I feel Cross Game is like the only sports series I've ever finished. So clearly Adachi does something right mm-hmm. for somebody like me that doesn't like sports or romance. But I feel like his stuff is not about any of those things. It's more just it's more contemplative it's more about like these human interactions yeah and the relationships between yeah. people who are playing the sport yeah it's less about yeah there's there is romance and there is sports because like i was watching touch and i remember just how i was kind of amazed by how they how little they actually play baseball in that series mm-hmm. they play it but it's like it's less a thing that this is what the series is about and more this is a thing that the characters do once in a while yeah, well, it's more. It's about how the sport kind of. All of my dodgies were very much like show off their love for baseball, but the series are focused on how, like, these characters' love for the sport, how it affects their relationships with one another. Yeah, and his characters are really well written all the time. They're really likable, mm-hmm. even though I mean, I feel like I know I'm going to get their name wrong because I never get the twins' names right. <laughs> but the one that Tetsuya. The main character in Touch, the older sibling, I really like him. He's just very down-to-earth, and it's just... Everybody in the series is, like, likable to some extent. And it's, there's nobody that I can really say I really don't like when this person shows up. It's just everybody. They've got their quirks. They're, you know, and it, it, they feel like... They feel kind of natural, like real people, I guess, you know? And I like that about Adachi's writing. He's got, like, this really kind of soft touch when it comes to it. Like, he knows just how much pressure to apply to a situation or a plot point without, you know, going overboard. So Touch is something I've, I mean, if it weren't for Chechen, I probably wouldn't have watched it. And I'm glad I did now. I would definitely put that up there as one of my favorite. I mean, maybe I'll read the manga eventually, but the anime is really well done. Then, I guess aside from that, I mean, Conan's pretty good. Again, Jetchan has got me back into that, or else I probably wouldn't be reading Conan still. I liked it, but then I fell out of it, but then she got me back into it. So, And for the same reason I, uh, that I like Touch, or the reason why I like Dagash Takashi, because mm-hmm. it's just, I really feel like the characters in it, like, the premise is Japanese candy. Yeah, but it's like how, uh, it's like how the characters love for the candy, it's especially Hoturu. And, like, just having fun eating and enjoying candy in the company with other people. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you would think with the way Hotaru looks that, you know, it would be a fan service laden series, but I'm really proud of Kotoyama for not going that route. I mean, even as he's kind of refining the way he draws her and she's becoming even more buxom than when the series started, <laughs> there's no fan service. And like the character interactions of it, they're really, I mean, when I was watching, I wasn't even into Daga until the anime and I watched the anime and I liked that. And that's what got me into the manga. So and I, I really just like the way he writes character. Really, I think so, a lot of the authors in Sunday, their strong suits are character interactions. 
from Kakashi to Touch to Daga to Komi. They're just really like all the authors, I guess because it's so laid back, they can sit there and write characters that you can get used to and kind of get to like. Because I feel like a lot of, I mean, the thing with Jump, not all series in Jump, of course, but the thing with Jump and stuff is like everything's in a hurry a lot of the time. Yeah. So it's, there's not as much time to really get used to characters and like them outside of what's going on in the immediate plot. Mm-hmm. So like with Sunday, it feels like a lot of the series, there's just, the authors are taking their time so they can really just develop characters that you like. Yeah, I think that's the benefit of Sunday and the slower pace of the series is that you can spend more time with the characters and really get to know them and, yeah. you know, be comfortable around them. Like, you're kind of like hanging out with friends while you're reading Sunday manga on yeah. late Sunday afternoon. Exactly. Oh, and one series I did forget to mention that I liked in Sunday, but I'm pretty sure no one knows. It's called Argus Acro. Hmm. It was by Sakurai Ato, which she, it was relatively unknown. But, I mean, she's relatively unknown, but she was actually one of Fukuchi's assistants. And, I mean, I guess it was around the time during Ueki Plus or, Ueki, or Takaku, but they're friends to the point that there's some Japanese people that ship them. <laughs> like, <laughs> they seem more like a couple than friends, even though I'm not too sure, but I think Fukuchi is married. But, uh, yeah, because I, I remember when the Nagomo went on hiatus... Like, you know, Ato Sakurai was the one, right? She wrote, like, this thing, like, you know, Fukuchi worked really hard on the extras, despite being really unwell, so... And rather than calling him Fukuchi-san, she falls on Fukuchi-kun. So, and, you know, and when on Twitter, like, in her blog, she... Whenever a new psych volume would drop, she would draw fan art for it. Nice. And Fukuchi draws fan art for whenever her series would come out with new volumes. So he would draw fan art for her. So they have a really close relationship. But right now, she's mostly known for Kyono Cerebus. Cerebus. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing this wrong. And she's known for that now, which runs in Shonen Gangan. But, I mean, Artist Acro was her first serialization. And she apparently still really loves the series because she still draws the characters from it once in a while on her blog. So, and I guess it, it was also one of the first series to get end up on digitally for Sunday, hmm. which is another thing. Because long time ago, like Sunday tried to do this thing with series where if they weren't doing well at the mag, rather than cancel them outright, they would transfer them online and kind of let them come to a natural conclusion. And Artist Acro was one of those series that got to do that. Like I think it ended it came out of the mag magazine at like volume six or so and then it ran for two more volumes online. Huh. That's nice. So, and yeah, Sunday, they tried to do that for a while. I mean, that website actually closed like a year ago now, I think. So, and oh yeah, another series I translated, Hide and Closer did that too. Oh. Viz actually picked up Hide and Closer, so I actually stopped translating it midway through. But Hide and Closer actually ended its magazine run probably around volume four and then went on for another volume online. Huh. So, and then ended. I mean, again, I like that Sunday is this magazine that's trying to give chances to people. I mean, I don't know if it was just decided that, okay, we're going to transfer you online, but that's where the series is going to end. Or if it's like, hey, if you do well online, we'll keep it going. But it, then it frees up positions in the in the main magazine for, you know, new stuff. Yeah, I really like that policy, too. Yeah, without outright just kind of killing a series, you know, 
or if even if the idea was just to hey we'll let you come to a natural conclusion i mean i like that idea rather than just you know kill a series like that mm-hmm. yeah that's those are all really cool uh recommendations like there's definitely a lot of those series i want i've been meaning to check out and i I'm hopefully will get the chance to looking at the cover art for Artist Acro. It does, I really do like the art for that series, so I might have to check that out sometime for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's completely scandalated. I know there was a group working on it a long time ago, and they got pretty for because I actually asked the translation group back when they were working on it if I could help them because I liked the series. But then, and they did, but they had problems getting raws because this was back in the day where jump raws were easy to get, but Sundays weren't. So, if it's not fully scanlated, I would definitely like... I translated, like, the last, I guess, six chapters of Zachro. They're not very well done, because that was back when I was really a novice at translating. So, I mean, if Zachro would be a thing I definitely would think about going back to if, like, nobody's going to scanlate it. I would, I would translate it, because I really enjoyed that series. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and then, on that note, Trowmeister by Nakayama Atsushi... That was another series I really liked in Shonen Sunday. That's what even turned me on to Nakayama Tsushi. Now he's another one of my favorite artists. Right now, he made, he was in Shonen Sunday. He he actually got around a lot. He was in monthly Shonen Jump when that was a magazine. He did, like, I guess a tie-in for a video game at first. And that was two volumes. Then he did his own manga, and then the magazine got canceled. And that was only one volume, and then they didn't, I guess they didn't allow him to transfer that series. Then he moved to Shonen Sunday and did Trial Meister, which was five volumes. And then he ended that and then started working for Weekly Young Jump. So he's in the same magazine with Terraformars <laughs> now. So And he did Nejimaki Kagyu, which I translate, which I really need to finish translating. And now currently he's doing Urataro in Weekly Young Jump. So Trial Meister was a lot of fun. It was really freaky looking. It was like the first manga I've seen with art like it has... But that was a good series. I And that's another thing I would want to finish translating if I ever had the chance. Yeah, all of this sounds Yeah, cool. I would really recommend Artist Acro. Like, that would be something I would, if I had free time, I would probably go back and finish Acro. Because I have all the volumes digitally, so I could actually, like, translate it again if I wanted. Yeah, I mean, looking up the scans, it seems that they only translated the first volume or something, so maybe that'd be a cool project. Yeah, I, and Trialmeister and Artist Acro are two I definitely want to kind of get back to. Mm-hmm. I think Trialmeister, they, I know, like, there's Spanish translations for maybe the whole series, but I know the English ones are probably just the first two or three, because those are the ones I was doing. And then I stopped, so... But what's weird is Trailmaster never got digitally released, so I'm not sure how scanlation for that would work. Hmm. So, I mean, I have the physical volume, so if I could wanted to, I could translate from those, but... Right. Maybe they just scanned it in. Yeah, they probably scanned it. But yeah, that, those would be what I'd recommend reading. And of course, Psych and Ryoko, hmm. if... I mean, Ryoko, somebody, lots of people said they do that, and but nobody's, like, followed up on it. So I've been translating it, and I still am. Hopefully somebody will pick it up soon. But Psych, I actually just got somebody else interested in it, and they said they'll be pick, they'll continue it. So Psych will probably see continuations. Although there are 44 chapters out now, so if you want to read it, you've got more than enough to go through. Yeah, I've been following along uh, as you review chapters on your blog, so I'll probably continue doing it that, this way. But I really enjoyed Volume 1, and I'm excited to read more and follow along with you. 
Yeah, I, I really was expecting to have like the first two volumes at least done or something, but yeah, life makes fools of us all. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I and now I I don't want to start volume two and then have to stop for to get back to translating the weekly stuff again. So I don't know. And I mean, what's interesting is the most the uh, I posted it on Twitter a couple of hours ago. That, you know, they had the preview for the next Sunday volume that'll be week after next and Psych will be back. And it seems like this arc is called the Discord arc. So, and it seems that a lot of, I mean, from the blurb going on, it seems like it's going to be really interesting. Because the one thing is with Fukuchi that I'll say is his weakness is he's really not good at world building. Like he has this thing where he'll focus on just the main characters like the entire series. So it's like we don't get an idea of what the world outside of them is. So it's like we see everything through their eyes and which that's there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like, you know, using One Piece as an example again, like the whole lore of like Skypea, like if Oda had stuck with just Luffy's point of view, we wouldn't have gotten that whole backstory, you know. That's one thing I wish Fukuchi would do more of. It's like, yeah, I like seeing things from Sykes' perspective, but it would be nice to kind of get something you know move from just being him and his and his friends to other elements of the series like where the powers come from or other characters it would be nice if Fukuji does that but he seems to get really comfortable with sticking with the main characters and not really venturing outside of that which i i'm hoping this new series from the blurb it sounds like there's going to be a little bit of stuff happening from outside of Sykes' prerogative which i'm hoping that he'll stick with that but I don't know. That's always been my one gripe with Fukuchi. But hmm. well, I really like Psych so far, and I, I'm really gonna. I really want to continue more of it. I might just continue on, just continue forward, and but I'll still be commenting on the post. But I think I, I'm just so into it that I'll just catch up right now. Yeah, I, I, it, it's a really good series. Much different than other Fukuchi's other works because it's just. As I mentioned on the first of the chapter of the blog, it's very. It's I wouldn't say dark, but it's. While a lot of the other Fukuchi works, like Ueki and everything, have always been kind of lighthearted, they don't mm-hmm. really get too deep into plot. I mean, they get plotty, but they're not too deep or, you know, serious about it. Like, Psych seems to kind of take that in a different direction now, where, like, there's a really, really nice moment in Volume 3 that I really liked that actually... I was really surprised that Fukuchi tackled that because he's that's never been a thing for him to get that deep into a series, but he did, and he did it with Gutso, and I really liked that he did. That's really cool. I really do like the raw emotion that Psych has so far in terms of like dealing with his character and like his kind of self-loading for like not interfering and not being able to and feeling like he's worthless. I like. I really appreciate, like, his character arc and, like, these kind of raw emotions of his character. Yeah, I like that about Psych, too. I like that one thing that was really interesting to me with him was the fact that it wasn't just that he had the self-loathing, but it was a sense that he keeps saying to himself, you know, this is what I should be doing. It was the one line, I guess, where he was just kind of like, if I'm not going to do the right thing, then I should be proud of not doing the right thing. He was kind of like caught in this schism where he's like, I feel guilty for not helping people, but I don't want to help people. So it's like, because normally when you get the self-loathing characters, it's kind of like, 
they kind of wallow in that kind of aspect where it's like I'm worthless and everything like that. But Sykes, like, he knows what he should be doing and just doesn't for whatever reason. Yeah. So it would have been, I, again, as I mentioned in the blog a couple of times, it really would be nice if Fukuchi would expand on his character a little bit. But it seems more or less Volume 1 is the end of that character arc for him. And from Volume 2 on, he's kind of more a heroic person who tries his best to, you know, do the right thing or whatever. Well, even if it's Volume 1, I could definitely relate to that sort of emotions and like struggling with that kind of dichotomy of top process. But I think that Scythe, once again, is a really cool series. And I, once I catch up to it, and maybe if Colton reads it, I think it'd be great to invite you along to do a discussion of the series because I think it's really cool. Yeah. But thank you for joining us on Manga Mavericks today. This was a great discussion on Shonen Sunday. We covered a lot of ground, a lot of the cool stuff going on in the magazine nowadays. And thank you, Bomber, for joining us and explaining uh, why you love this magazine and how many cool series are in it and why deserving of more attention. And thank you for having me on and letting me take over your show for four hours <laughs> on one of these things that go on really long I, we really should just make time to have bro time seriously <laughs> so i don't like take up your show talking about nonsense <laughs> yeah maybe you should start a shonen sunday podcast i actually thought about it i was just like i would do it if i could have like a co-host I, I would just feel weird talking to myself the whole time, other than... Hey, hey, Maxie used to do his show by himself. I mean, well, you know... Maxie's cool, you know, but Maxie's not me. He's not socially <laughs> inept. <laughs> um, hey, Bomber, where can people find your blog? That's probably important. It is at WSS, talkback is one word, dot blogspot dot com. Mm-hmm. There you go. Please go, uh, go follow that. It's a good blog. If you want to know more about Shonen Sunday, you want to learn about current lineup, uh, current trends of Shonen Sunday, Bomber's thoughts, whatever, go read it. Yeah. So, hey, Bomber, where can people find you besides the blog? Twitter. I'm uh, Kirobon or Sakaki or I don't know how you kids find people on Twitter nowadays, <laughs> but... <laughs> You can find me at Kiro Bond on Twitter. That's that's Kiro Bond with two eyes. Yes, Kiro Bond, the yellow bomber. There you go. If you know anything about Japanese, you elongate uh, words sometimes. Uh, Sid, how about you? Yeah, you can find me as Lom Ramiyasha on Twitter, my anime list, Gitsu Animation Revelation. And you can follow my art stuff at Sid Gupta's Awesome Art Blog on Tumblr and uh, my art Twitter at at Kid Gupta. That's K-I-D-D and then uh, G-U-P-T-A. Oh, I guess maybe I should throw in just in case my friend listens to this and so she doesn't murder me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also translate things for ORZ, O-R-Z, scanlations on Tumblr. Uh, we do Tiger and Bunny. Um, we're planning to do other projects sometime soon, hopefully. The Tiger and Bunny stuff is on Third League Heroes at Tumblr. I also do Bomberman translations because I'm a big bomber loser. At bomber Manga, as in Bomberman with a GA at the end, <laughs> on Tumblr. And also some things at the Bomber Base, which is also a Tumblr thing. I 
been doing a lot of translations of that thanks to Barman getting a new game on the Switch, which I will not own for a while because being an adult sucks. <laughs> and of course, I'm on Manga Helpers, but yeah, as Bomber D. Rufy. But mainly, you can find me haunting Twitter because apparently, as I just discovered last night, I don't do anything but sit on Twitter all day. All right, but if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's um, Colton, in case you forgot, maybe. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SniperKing323. That's S-N-I-P-E-R-K-I-N-G-323. I, I don't know if anyone really cares about my podcast at this point. There's life lessons the Gintama Manga cast. I cover the Gintama manga from the beginning via Viz's old release. That's at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com. Uh, we talked a lot about Detective Conan and Case Closed. You, you can uh, you can listen to uh, One Podcast Prevails if you want to hear a podcast talk about Detective Conan. Same idea as Life Lessons. We cover the Detective Conan manga from the beginning, uh, except that manga is actually still being released by Viz, thankfully. Um, and you can follow that at onepodcastprevails.wordpress.com. As just for all comic and the podcast in particular, you know, you, you can find all of Manga Mavericks, every episode posted every other Friday at allcomic.com. You can also follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But if you want to follow Manga Mavericks in particular, you can uh, follow us on Twitter. That's at manga underscore Mavericks for the latest updates on the podcast and uh, whatever we may be covering in future episodes. You can also follow us on Tumblr. That's at mangamavericks.tumblr.com for uh, any updates as well. And uh, if you want to email us anything, uh, what are you reading? What do you think about all the news we covered this episode? You can uh, email us at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, and I mean it, the most important thing is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on our new iTunes feed. Now more than ever, you know, any reviews that you might have or any any star ratings you want to give us are important. more important now more than ever. So, yeah, please subscribe to us because, uh, again, that is important. So that's going to do it for this episode. This has been episode 26 of the Maga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.com, and we will see you guys next time for episode 27. Bye, guys. Sarah. See you guys.